Magoni's a goal scorer. What about Dante? Dante's his own breed. Give me two seconds, Eichel and Svetch, and I'll be coming at your neck. Richard Zednick, laugh past the breadstick, or Tammy will bury. Send him on his merry way, lest it's on carry. What's sadder than KK's broken spleen? Leafs fan with hopes and dreams. Rick Moose is back for season three with hot takes like you wouldn't believe. I'll block shots. I rescind that. You've never blocked a shot for me. Now let's turn it over to the host of the show. His character's high, but his skill level's low. Kid back checks like you don't even know. Championship flow, Jonathan Quick is a schmo. Yeah. Oh, hello there. Tis the season. Last year was like treason. Stanley Cup, or like a COVID cup. The year of Cooper was more a big blooper, like Ferris Bueller in a brand new cruiser. Now my car is a star, moves like a sports car He can sauce like a boss and crisscross like Art Ross He's peanut butter smooth like Quinn Hughes And a work of art like that upstart Carter Hart Mmm, that's good kokanee right there So in comes Keith, will the boys be Leaf? Can Jumbo Joe and Austin Smoe avoid another repeat? It's time to start the show, so turn up the stereo Put your feet up, relax, enjoy a Bud Light Jack Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of the Rink Moose Hockey Podcast, a bi-weekly hockey podcast where two good pals get together and discuss all things NHL and their implications in the fantasy hockey universe. universe. I am one of your hosts, as always, Nick Costu, along with... My guest this week, up north they call him Wingman Wayne, Count Ice. <laughs> How are you doing on this fine evening, Kyle? Well, you know what? Today I feel like a lone cactus in a vast desert. Okay. You know why that is? Why is that? Because we're so used to having guests on the show. Doing it just the two of us seems a little, uh, seems a little lonely now. So It does, doesn't that, it? That's how I feel. It, it definitely feels that way. There is no, yeah, so much to everyone's chagrin. No rotating third chair this week. We are back to the OG format. Who knows? Maybe you guys like that. Maybe you guys don't like the guests yeah. that on. Maybe, you maybe, want, maybe, the, yeah. Yeah, maybe the banter gets to be too much. Who knows? Maybe the banter gets too much. Maybe you guys are saying, I want to hear more <laughs> Nick and Kyle. Who's the schmuck? <laughs> so so we, we, back, I guess, by popular demand, maybe, is just the two of us. Um, and, uh, yeah, a little bit of the OG format here. So, um, yeah, I mean, you had, you, you mentioned you had some, uh, some, some thoughts on your mind just from the get-go, Kyle. So, um, what, 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 what's on your mind? Well, first of all, I was gifted a book just yesterday from my dad. It's called, uh, Everyday Hockey Heroes by Bob McKenzie. It's the second oh, wow. volume. Yeah. 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 Second volume in, in the, uh, in Bob's books there. And I'm a, I'm a good fifth of the way through it. Really interesting read, Nick. It, and it's not actually, but most of it's not written by Bob at all. He's got his little blurb in the beginning, but then he's, he's gone and given the pen to all these different hockey people throughout the world and right. all kinds of different stories. One of them was uh, Joey Hishin, if, if you kind of recall that name. Old Colorado Avalanche guy. Uh, basically best friends with Ryan O'Reilly when they were growing up and trying to get into the game together. 
Wow. But he had a terrible concussion way back in his junior years, and he fought so hard to get back to the NHL. Finally got back, scored a goal with Colorado. Short-lived, though. Um, he played in the playoffs against that Colorado-Minnesota year. That was the McKinnon uh, rookie year, if you remember. Interesting. And, uh, and then he, he ended up playing in uh, the KHL a little bit, bumped around Europe. And now he's a coach in Owen Sound. So cool little story there. Uh, and I'm looking forward to reading the rest. So it's, it's called Untold <clears throat> Hockey Stories? Everyday Hockey Heroes. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Everyday Hockey Heroes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and, and I, I like these books. I, uh, I mean, I know Duffy, he's, he's done a similar yeah. thing where he, he doesn't act like he's not creatively writing his own book. He's more just interviewing other people and getting their tales. Right. So call it what you want, whether they're writing it or not. The, the subject matter seems interesting. And yeah. I, was def- I was definitely going to pick up his le- latest one, that, that Beauties one. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but this Bob one sounds like something I should get on as well. So that's great. See, I, what I, I think Beauties is going to be more like the, you know, the spit and chiclets type stories, like the, the, the gritty ones that mm, you and I would, sure. would really enjoy. But sure. then uh, this Everyday Hockey Heroes is kind of like for the masses. Like, you know, Bob, he's, he caters to, to the masses. So there, there's a, definitely a place for it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's so far so good. I'll, I'll let you know if anything sticks out. I'll, I'll let, the, let the viewers know. Um, right. And, and, and so if I may, just, just I guess organically, because we brought that up. Yeah. Um, what, what, did, what did you make of the, uh, the, the breaking news this week of uh, the uh, Bell cuts the 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 hashtag on twitter was bell let's cut oh um, my god what did you think of that as a former bell employee well well you know what it it came as a as a huge surprise because i was one of those guys probably like so many who had bell you know in their mind as this like feel good do good company like many of us probably felt and uh and we all love our, our tsn radio channels right uh and i'm sure those guys out west and and those in Hamilton and those in um, in Winnipeg like theirs too. And it was just such a, a gut-wrenching story because they cut so many and they cut them in such a hurry in such a sudden fashion um, that it seemed like it just rocked the whole industry. And if you were on Twitter at all the, the past couple of days, it was just a lot of you know people coming together and, and people like really just bashing this bell company it was such a unanimous like scumbag move that everyone acknowledged and then you got financial reports coming up like they shouldn't have done this they like they're hiding behind this this veil of oh it's covid we, we need to make these moves they didn't need to make these moves they use it as an opportunity to to shuffle the lineup a little bit and and to make themselves more profitable in, in the short term but I'm telling you, like, it's a tight-knit community, these, these broadcasters and these sports people. This is going to come back to bite them. People are going to shy away from, from the Bell products from now on in the sports sphere, uh, at least to some degree. Like, like for example, I'm, I'm on Game Center the other day. I've got the Sportsnet feed and the TSN feed. I, I went Sportsnet just, just, just because it was in my head. I, I love the TSN feed a yeah. little bit more, sure. But you know what? I went Sportsnet this time. Because uh, it was just a scummy thing to do. But yeah. at the same time, we have to remember there's still a lot of good people still working there. So uh, it's, uh, it's hard, man. It's a hard situation. And it just sucks for those guys. But I'm, I'm sure they'll land on their feet. We'll, we'll get them on our show. We'll give them a, a bit of a platform, right, right. Nick? We'll, uh, we'll get them. I'd love, I, I would love to. As a, as a loyal <laughs> follower of TSN uh, 
I believe, I think it's 1050 in Vancouver. That's one station. I, I listen to them every day. And wow. uh, we, yeah, whether it be Sakaris and Price or Halford and Bruff or Donnie and Moj, right. those, are th- those are three different shows I listen to often. And um, these are talented, good people that just, t- just out of nowhere gone. Like one of the shows was on at 8, p- 8 a.m. Vancouver time. It was Ray Ferraro's slot. They had him at 8 a.m. And then yeah. 9 a.m. They got the work. They, they just took off the station like done. And, within, oh my and God. apparently it was cutthroat within 20 minutes. They were like, grab your stuff, get out of the office. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I heard the clip, Nick, of, of what, it, what went down on the radio station. Yeah. So basically they cut the show. They had this like robotic speech that they didn't yeah. like Google speech or whatever. They're like, this show has been officially canceled. Oh and then they played Good Riddance by Green Day. And wow. It was like, Whoa, man. That was wow. huge. That was huge. I saw uh, it's just not a good look, man. It's just not a good look. It show really shows you just how like volatile that industry <clears throat> is. Like you could be you could be a name brand guy who's been there for 20 years. And yeah. it's, you're treated like everybody else and, and you're just gone. And as, as someone who earlier in his life thought about that industry and, and aspired towards that industry, <laughs> heck, I guess you could even say we're in that industry at an amateur level. Sure. But sure. As, as someone who thought about that early in life, now I look at it and I'm just like, what a, what a shit storm, you know? And, and did you hear about Dan O'Toole yeah. a few days before? That, that, was, that was shocking. I, and uh, he lashed out big time online. Did he? If you didn't see what he said. I thought he was oh pretty modest. I thought he was pretty modest. Like he was just like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I thought he just kind of played the nice guy role. Like, oh yeah, I'm just looking for a job now. Like that's all oh, I saw. No, no he, he, he went off on, on Twitter uh, on Bell. Like this guy, what did he, say? He, he would just kind of keep to himself. I, I'm going to try to pull it up here. Okay. Uh, if I can yeah, find. No, uh, as you're doing that. All I'll say is like, I, I just saw like one comment he made and then I saw the, um, the Jay on right obituary right. on the, on yeah, the, the yeah, night yeah. of the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl ended, it went to Jay and it went to, now it's just called J, SC with Jay. And uh, he gave this great, brilliant speech in like one minute and yeah. uh, about telling stories of him and Dan, like drinking White Claws and shooting the shit and, and, and. I just, I, I was like, Hey, like, well said, but it, it, even he, he could, you can tell even he was disturbed, you know, he, he was making light of the situation, but he was still very disturbed. So, um, yeah, it's pretty, uh, that, that when you, when I heard that news that Dan O'Toole was gone, I was basically like, no, but nobody's untouchable, you know? Yeah, no, you know, what's funny is he actually deleted that string of tweets Oh, I, I yeah. cannot. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's why I didn't see it. It's totally deleted. But I remember I was uh, when I saw it, it was basically like, you know, going after the whole bell. Let's talk thing. He's like, oh, yeah. you want to talk? OK, let's talk. Let's talk about how they right. cu- they can me without any warning in the, in the middle of, a, you know, you know, all that uh, all that stuff that people are saying. So, OK, yeah. Moving on from the whole bell situation. Unfortunate. But we got to get into the meat of the show here. Um, couple opening thoughts I want to share with you. A little bit of news bites that caught my eye. Josh Hosang. Now, you're, you're aware of this character and, and the reputation that he brings along with him? Of course. So, he right now is playing for a team called Oribro of the Swedish Hockey League, the SHL, where he's recorded one point in five games. Fair enough. He's a young guy. Sure. Mm-hmm. 
now he's been kicked off the team for being quote too far behind in fitness. So <laughs> this is just another step, another stumbling block in a road for this guy. And it, and it really brings up uh, another guy we're going to get into a little later, Tony D'Angelo, but these, these guys with these so-called character issues and, and if they can be reclaimed. So it's kind of a good lead into that uh, later in the show. Um, another thing I want to highlight here is some rookies performing well in the AHL. Oh, wow. And Pittsburgh's tied it with 18 seconds to go. Let's go. Good thing I didn't start Varlamov. I know. Uh, so a couple of rookies doing well in the AHL while the, while the CHL is out. Seth Jarvis, five points in four games. Very impressive for him. Trevor Zegras, five points in three games. Drysdale is doing well at two points in three games. Peyton Krebs, four points in two games. He's looking really good down there. Wow. Um, newly drafted Dylan Holloway and Montreal prospect Cole Caulfield are tearing it up in the, in the NCAA. Absolute dynamic duo. Holloway has an amazing 23 points in 12 games after going 0.5 points per game last year. Caulfield has 33 points, in, including 17 goals in just 20 games. Crazy numbers for these two. And what's more impressive, they're not playing on the same line five on five. So they're both individually tearing up this league. Um, and it's just great, great uh, stuff to see. So this is, really, this is the, the WHL? No, the NCAA. Oh, you're right, 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 for, right, right. For Holloway and, uh, and Caulfield there. Yeah. Uh, well, so that's looking like a great pick for Edmonton, which you highlighted as your 10th overall uh, selection, I, I will remember, uh, when you did one of your mocks. Holloway. Um, yes. I yeah. said he was my favorite player in the draft. So uh, I'm, <laughs> so glad, I'm, good. I'm glad it's coming to fruition. I'm, yeah. just, I'm just disappointed. This, like, everything you just mentioned is happening south of the border. And here north of the border... We're still waiting on things to come to fruition. Like, I don't know which, which league's going to open first. We heard news today, the OHL, they're targeting an a April return, which my, my gut reaction was just like, it feels so far away. Oh, my God. It's, um, what are you going to do with that? Like, yeah, like, it, are you going to have like a 20 it's a, game? It's a 24 game schedule. It sounds like a joke to me. Oh, my God. Uh, it, it, in crazy. hubs. I, I guess if you're doing a hub situation, you need to, you have no choice but to do a short schedule because you're not going to have a hub of 60 games, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. It's, uh, things sound very preliminary at this point. Um, I, I'm still casting <clears throat> my vote for Kingston to be one of the hubs. I, I think that would be brilliant with the hotels here down by the water. I, I think they could really make it work near, near the rink there. Mm-hmm. I think we have the right infrastructure, so that would be neat um but but we'll have to stay tuned on that um and have you heard anything about the other two leaks um so fuck i i don't know i, I know the queue is like i i'd assume they're the most games. aggressive like they're the yeah. most aggressive. no i don't know if they're playing full full time right now i, I know they've played some games yeah but I, I i haven't heard a peep from the whl um i don't know it's all just a mess and and like for like, we don't really care what happens in these CHL teams. It, the the biggest problem is what's it going to do for the development of these kids, and the scouting that's going to go on this year. And guys like Shane Wright, this is who I feel the most for. You know, like these are amazing development years. This is his draft minus one. This is a huge deal that he's missing this time. It's a it's a huge shame. 
And uh, it, it's there's going to be ripple effects from this for for a long time. I think he should go to Europe. <laughs> That's what I think he should do. Yeah, he just, could just have done safe. that a while ago. But maybe maybe the team's not letting him. I don't know. Right, the team owns his rights. Yeah. Um, so there might be more to that, but it's just bizarre because you look at the NHL and the North Division's been the only division without any positive cases. Like everything's been going swimmingly, and yet right. the, junior, the junior leagues in this country can't get their act together, whereas all right. these leagues down south are doing just fine. So I don't know what to think. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot into it, and and on that. Um, we may have our first uh, COVID protocol in Canada with Jesse pool party mm. over in Edmonton. Uh, it's not confirmed. It's a COVID thing yet, but he is on the protocol. So we'll keep our finger on that pulse. Cause that would really uh, like that could really screw up this division. Like it's mm. done for the Metro, like it's done for, you know, some of like the, whatever division Minnesota's in. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully not, but, We'll, uh, we'll keep our eye on it. But that's, yeah. uh, that's the opening thoughts. And, and, and I guess, I mean, just inherently because we're talking about COVID. I mean, like, I, like the, basically the news that's happened is basically, um, you know, we've had several teams lose a shit ton of games so far. Buffalo, Minnesota, New Jersey, Colorado. I know you've been feeling the brunt of that. Oh, um, it's been very tumultuous. And uh, just just very odd, especially if you're running a fantasy team where these guys are now on you know COVID protocol. You can't put them on an IR spot, and uh, you're you're having to keep them. If it's a guy like Dalene who you can't drop, you're, you're oh just losing games. It's been a disaster, and uh, <laughs> and now my question here is this: Now the guys in the group answered this, but I don't know if they if they're right or not. When are these games going to get made up? Are, yeah. are they going to get made up? Are they going to sprinkle it into the middle? Because now it's a lot. Like, New Jersey's missed a lot. Minnesota's missed a lot. I don't think even, like, considering the condensed schedule, it's already pretty tight as it is. I don't think you can just sandwich these in. Now we're talking about ta- tacking them on to the end of the season. How far do you want to push the playoffs back? I mean, uh, to be honest, I think this is going to be a scenario where we become more transfixed on uh, points percentage. Like, at some point, you know? Like it just, it's, I don't think everyone's going to get 56 in. I just, it doesn't seem possible to me because if this yeah. can happen once it, it, it can happen again, it, it can happen to like a Pittsburgh this time and you don't, of a Buffalo, and you, you know, no. And, and I, I think one thing you can't do is, is sabotage all the, the, the teams where things are going swimmingly. Like in the, in the North division, I, I would forecast they're going to play their 56 games the, the league's going to want to keep getting revenue for Sportsnet and, and TSN and keep those games going. And if they have to go points percentage for the, for the Central or the West, so be it. And, and that's how they'll do it. But I, I can't see them just shutting all games if one of the divisions is doing just fine. So hopefully this Pugliarvi yeah. thing doesn't, doesn't lead into anything too big. And yeah. um, we, we can keep going here. My, my main concern is... You know, these postponed games, if they end up being placed at the very end of the schedule, in fantasy, you'll have a matchup mm. where your opponent might have way more players playing that week because they've gotten all these games that were supposed to happen way back in January or February. And mm-hmm. that will fuck everything up. And then they will, there will be outrage. Yeah, yeah. Or conversely, 
you're always at risk of having postponed games, even in playoffs, even in, you know, any scenario. So, I mean, I don't want to just like kind of sing my own sorrows here, but I've missed parts of Crosby, Hall, McCarr, Grubauer, Reinhardt, Dahlin, and Fiala. It's like, you can't win. You know, like there's just part, parts of these guys you just cannot win. So hopefully that doesn't determine the winner this year, you know? No. Um, because, fingers crossed. Because it's been such a good league to this point. And, and one, like this season, like I, I was just looking the other day at just moves. And of the 10 teams, we have 18 moves, 6 moves, 4 moves, 4 moves, 16, 19, 5, 12, 10, and 6. Like there's, there's yeah. parity there as far as participation. Which yeah. in the past, we've seen people check out after one week, and at the end of the year, they made one move. Like Joe. Like, <laughs> yes. But now these people are in it, and, and, and it's good yeah. to watch. Like I, I dropped yeah. Tyler Toffoli the other day, and then the following day, I looked to see who put in a claim. Four claims were made. Like there waiver. Was a, there was, yeah, there was an all-out bidding war oh. on the waiver yeah. wire. Four different guys threw their hat into the ring to get this bum mm. of a player. I knew there would be waiver claims for this. I knew it. I absolutely knew it. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that's a perfect example of just people are in it to win it for waiver claims. And, and I love seeing that. I got a nice smile uh, from that when I woke up in the morning. So it's been a great league and I hope this COVID doesn't, doesn't uh, halt things. So yeah, uh, moving on to the lead topic of the show. This was a special request made by Kyle about a week ago. And um, mm. it, it, it kind of just came in the wake of all of these, you know, media uh, people posting their Team Canada rosters because mm-hmm. we were, were a year away from, from the, uh, what is it, China Olympics? Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, people were making their prognostications and putting all their, their stuff together. And uh, Kyle thought, well, we did this a few years ago, you know, I think we did this a couple of years ago and it didn't end up coming to fruition, of course, but he said, yeah. we may as well do this again. So, um, I took some time yesterday to do this. I assume you've put probably hours into this and, um, <laughs> I mean, I want to hear like, uh, how do you want to do this? Uh, why don't we start with the, f- start with the goalies. How about that? That's wow. a little unconventional. How about, yeah. How about that? Okay. So um, I will start with my three goalies. Of the three, posi- of the three positions, this is probably the one I put the least thought into. Or, like, <clears throat> I, I just didn't need to think too hard about it. Um, right. Needless to say, my starter, just out of a sheer um, loyalty factor, and, you know, subject to change, of course, we've seen all the time, the, these goalies that start game one, they, they lose their gig. Marty Brodeur, um, you know, lost his gig in Vancouver. Um, we've had guys like uh, Luongo come in <clears throat> out of nowhere. Um, and, and so just a loyalty perspective, I'd have to give it to Carey Price. He gets the nod and goal. He, he just would. Um, and his backup would be the young Carter Hart. Uh, no, no real surprise there. I, I think those are two names that probably most people would have. Um, and I think that would be good. You know, the older guy mentors the young guy. And as my three, I would have, and this is where I kind of, I'm kind of split where I'd run here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I could go basically 50% of me says it should be uh, Darcy Kemper. 
right. just out of just out of a sheer skill standpoint, the numbers back him up. He he's looked like a stud in Arizona, and the other fifty yep. percent wants to give the nod to Mark Andre Fleury. Wow, um, I, 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 I I think I think just his character uh. there, his presence in the room. I want that presence. And yeah. he's done so much for our country. I mean, World Juniors, World Championships, Olympics. I feel like he deserves to be there for one last shot. So my third would be kind of a coin flip between those. But gun to my mm. head, I mean, that, that's what we're here for. We're here to give predictions. Um, I would probably say like, they go Kemper. Yeah, wow. Um, now, I'm, I'm impressed that uh, you didn't say Bennington. No, because no a lot of the experts out there had Bennington. A lot of like almost unanimously had had Bennington somewhere in there as at two or three, which I was kind of surprised at, to be honest. Like th- this guy doesn't have that kind of pedigree, does he? To to be in this conversation so consistently, I mean, it's. I think it's a recency bias thing. I I think if you did this yeah. right after they won the cup, you know, <laughs> then then I think you'd have a he'd be a shoe in. But mm-hmm. I I think when you look at the flop that was the the COVID playoffs. And recently, I mean, this season, he, he hasn't played spectacular. I, I, I own him and, mm-hmm. and I've watched their games. And he's, he has, he's been far from the best player on their team. Uh, well, not, he's definitely not been one of the, the standouts for the Blues. So, right. I mean, it, it's a contract year for him. And, and that's what's nice. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a year he can prove himself. And, and, and if he can prove himself as he should during a contract year, as you'd expect he would, then I think <clears throat> you might see him gain some traction. But and until he does that, until he rectifies the blunder that was the playoffs, I don't think too many. I don't think they could confidently put him on the team. No, I agree completely. Uh, so my three goalies, I'll come out right out with it, are the same as yours with Kemper in there. I I didn't consider Flurry, and I think that's a really good pick, especially if you're okay with just placing him as your as your third, and he can go in if someone's injured. Um, but I actually have uh, I've got a little surprise here. Uh, I have Hart as my as my starter. I think by that time in his career, he's going to be ready for that kind of thing. And 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 you know, with Luongo up up in the uh, assistant general manager's role, they're gonna they they had the quote: "Their youth will be served." So I see that as a real changing of the guard, which means a going away of of the price and and these, these kinds of things. So I have Hart as my starter now, as long as he's steady. I mean, if he falters, he's got two good guys behind him. Um, and then I have Kemper. Kemper as my backup here. Wow. Uh, I, I, think, I think Price is, you know, I, I don't think Price is the same kind of guy anymore. I'm not going to lie. I, and that's coming from a Montreal fan. Like th- this season has done, he's done nothing to impress me. A, a lot of people are talking about how great he was in the bubble last year. I thought he was, he was good, but he wasn't like amazing. Like he didn't s- steal many games. He, d- he wasn't out of this world. So Price will be there. I think he's going to be more of a mentor role. Um, but I do have Kemper as just, you know, the, the, the stats, the, the, the skill, like this guy's got just stellar numbers on teams that are worse than Montreal, you know? So um, he deserves to be there. His first little taste of, uh, of, you know, big stage team Canada action. I think he's got a, uh, a world championship under his belt or something like that. But uh, I included an extra here, Nick, as well. Uh, they're going to need a bit of magic. So I included uh, the Hamburglar as my extra. <laughs> you always have to have a magic pick. I'm going to have an extra for each and every piece here, and uh, and they're going to be magic picks. I'm just not going to comment on that one. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I I'm just yeah I'm surprised how little emphasis you put on loyalty and just 
right. you know, career, what you've done for Team Canada, the program. Nick, I, I think loyalty will get Price there. Like, I don't, if Price wasn't I Price, know, but, he wouldn't be there. But usually loyalty is loyalty means you got the gig, and the only way you're going to lose the gig is if you show you've lost it. And until he's right. shown he's lost it, which the NHL doesn't count, that's one thing. The world, the world stage is another. Until he, in my mind, until he fault, shows he can falter, then you don't mm-hmm. pass the baton to the next generation until the old generation falters. You know? Right. Yeah. That's just my I, I could see that. I could so see I, that. that. It's that not how my I would do it, but yeah. yeah. It might, yeah. And it might backfire, but I mean, worst case scenario, he puts up a, a bad game in the prelims and it doesn't really affect right. me. So. Okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, all I would take. Yeah. Defense. Defense. Yeah. Th- this was the hardest part for me. Like the forwards, I, I, I had a lot of fun with. Like defense yeah. for me was wasn't fun. It it was yeah. It was hard to do. Especially you know, like, because like a lot of it is like left side, right side. It's t- <clears throat> it's tough sure. to prognosticate who's okay playing both sides. Like I I, I yeah. like I like I I don't know I didn't know how much to read into that. And yeah, so I, I didn't read too much. No, but so this is really just my six. Like I, if, if you're listening to this, don't assume I know who's playing on which side. Just, just say these sure. are Nick's six defensemen. And then I have two extras as well. Sure. Um, so my top two and this, uh, this, I, yeah, this, this is my top two and, and, and I'm going in a tandem approach. Um, and, and honestly, it's not my top two, like the two, the top two pairings are interchangeable. So there really isn't one that's, I'd say better than the other. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah. I would have Kale McCarr yeah, yeah. alongside Colton Pareko. Wow. So I would want okay. a puck mover along with a stout <clears throat> back end, long reach, hard hitter guy. And I, I just yeah. watched too many blue games to know that. Pareko is kind of the next Petrangelo there. That seems to be a reason they were fine letting Petrangelo walk. Uh, just seems like a stud. Never makes a clumsy decision. He's matured a lot more since when he was a kid. Um, I think he's had enough reps to really be a, a star now. Um, and I, I think if you just have the, the elite puck mover who can take risks and then a guy who can mm-hmm. back him up and, and, and back check and, and, and worry about the stuff on the back end, I, I think that's a recipe for success. So Makar Pareko. And then my, yeah. second, my second pairing is a tandem that already exists in the NHL. And that would be Alex Petrangelo and Shea Fedor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petrangelo is probably not so much a shocker because he's, he's been there before, been there, done that. He isn't quite, yeah. like, quite dowdy old yet, so you can justify him being there. <laughs> Uh, leadership, uh, again, a guy stout on the back end, and then you contrast it with a Theodore, a puck mover, guy who can play on the power play, a guy who's blossomed in the last two years. Uh, two years ago, he would not be on this list, but after the playoffs that were, I think he has to be considered here. And mm-hmm. apparently, this is the tandem in Vegas. I mean, it's been kind of a mess so far with the COVIDs. They, they haven't had too many games together. But I think if things go well this year, uh, if this tandem comes to fruition, then I see no hesitation with this. And then my uh, my <clears> third <throat> pairing would be uh, Dougie Hamilton and uh, Morgan Riley. So again, mm. uh, so two two puck movers, but again, I, I'd say more, Morgan, a little more of a high-risk player, a uh, guy who jumps up more than Dougie. 
And then Dougie can kind of do both things. He's a puck mover. He can play on the power play, but he's also a steady stay-at-home guy. And again, you got big guys with long reaches here, like Petrangelo, Pareko, Hamilton, like three guys, and then three puck movers, McCarthy or Riley. <clears throat> so that's kind of the mindset here. Um, and, and that's my defense. I, I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's the best defense in the tournament. I think it's far from no. it. Um, that, that accolade I'd probably have to give to the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's my six. And then my extras are, uh, Drew Doughty for loyalty sake. And, mm. uh, and, uh, Jared's <laughs> Jared Spurgeon of the Minnesota. No. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, come on. Okay. Yeah. No. Eh, like I said, this one wasn't fun. My, uh, my top pair, Makar and Petrangelo. You, you gotta have, uh, I, I think I like that pair there. Cause like I said, you know, Makar's going to do all that offense, and Petrangelo is going to be that steady force, long reach, defense first uh, in this role. Uh, so that's good there. Now, my second pair, another puck mover, I have Tommy Shabbat. I decided to plug him in. Um, I, I think this is a guy, if you take him out of Ottawa, you, you'd see him with a lot better of numbers. I, I think he gets underrated a lot. He was a hero for the, on the World Junior team. I, I think by 2022, he'll be ready for this kind of bigger role. Uh, and he's got some size on him too. He's got that long, lengthy, spidery reach. Um, and I'm going to pair him with a, a Dougie Hamilton, uh, who's a good all-arounder. Uh, he's not going to be expected to put up huge numbers here. Um, but I think that's going to be a, a, good, a good solid pair. Uh, my third pair here, I will include Shea Theodore. Uh, just because of what he's done in the last two like, two years, like you said, he's kind of earned that role. He's something, he's someone you'd never think of uh, when we came out of the 2016 uh, World Cup. But this guy's just, you know, he's proven himself. And, and with him, I'm going to pair Aaron Ekblad. Uh, he's quietly having a really fantastic year, Aaron Ekblad, um, putting up really great numbers. He's now being trusted on that top power play. Always been a really good shutdown guy. And uh, I think you're seeing now the Florida is turning the keys over from Yandel. Uh, they're just giving everything to Ekblad right now. Uh, so uh, watch him continue to mature this year, continue to mature next year, and he's going to be ready for this depth Canada defense kind of role, shutdown guy. Uh, I like the way he's really grown up in the last couple as well, uh, though he won't get all the, you know, the spotlight. Uh, and my extra will be Ryan Ellis. Uh, a little little spitfire, um, you know, a lot of energy, a lot, a lot of good all-around play. He can put up the numbers really smart defensively, and, uh, and he's a world junior hero as well, and you can't have too many of those. So I don't like the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, man. A lot of these guys I simply don't like. Like, it, it pains me to put a Dougie Hamilton on here. Like, I don't think he's earned this kind of, kind of spotlight, but it's so unanimous and, and he has done so well the last couple of years, I guess you kind of have to give it to him. So yeah, it's kind of a change. This is, this is where the changing of the guard is really, really apparent here. Like gone are the Webbers and, and, and those kinds of guys and the Dowdies I don't have, like it's, it's sad. It's sad to see. Yeah. Um, so that based on my calculation here, that's four of six. We have the same. And right. um, I mean, yeah, it's all valid. Like I, 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 I see like Shabbat and Ekblad are coming in for you and coming in for me is Morgan Riley and uh, Colton Pareko. Um, right. I'm shocked you don't have Pareko there, but maybe that's because you just don't watch as much of the blues as I do. Um, Probably. Like, 
I, I would like to put in Pareko in, in, in place of Hamilton, if anything. Because mm-hmm. I think he might be more stout defensively. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, I'd even argue then, more than, that's, than, than Ekblad. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have Ekblad there. I like Ekblad. But yeah, either yeah, they're all interchangeable, and I think we can both agree. It's at least if we can agree on one thing, it's that this is probably. <clears throat> I don't want to say it's their weakness, but like, I would you say this is more of a weakness or the goaltending? What's the Achilles uh, heel here? Boy, is it certainly I, not I th- the forwards? I, I think it's the goaltending, Nick. I do. Okay. I like like okay. if you really if you peel back the layers, Makar is the best offensive defenseman in hockey in 2022. Mm-hmm. Bar none. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Petrangelo, like, you know, a lot of people consider him one of the better defensive defensemen, right? Um, and then these other guys, you know, the rest of the guys we have on here, a lot of them are young, and a lot of them are like, we could be totally, you know, blown away by them in, in a year and a half. We don't know. So uh, it's hard, but I, I can't consider it a weakness if you've got guys like Makar and, and those kind of guys on there. And, and elder statesmen like Petrangelo, or like he's got gr- huge value there. So, yeah, I like it. I like. It. Fair enough. It's not Fair like enough. I mean, like the U.S. has like Slavin and Ma- McAvoy and these stalwart defense. Like mm-hmm. I know I get it, but it's like it's still going to be good. They're going to be mobile. They're going to be offensive. Actually, change f- compared to 2016, the last time we did a best on best, this is going to be a lot more offense focused defense. Would you agree? Yeah, which which speaks to how the game has changed, right? Exactly. The, the yeah. game is the game has transitioned to younger, faster puck moving defense, and I think the rosters will will show that. Um, but moving on to the fun part, it was my it was the most fun part for me. Oh god! Um, and and that's the forwards. I will basically can, tell you what do you want. Can we go line by line? Like you do want you do first line, I'll do first line. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, what I will also say is, like, when I state a line, I will, I will tell you the <clears> order <throat> at which I made them. Because, like, I, I have oh, ordered okay. them, but, but I, I yeah. have, like, a gut reaction to just immediately put a line there, whereas others yep. I had to actually put some thought into concocting. Yes, so yes. this first line, I, had, I, have McDa- I have McKinnon as the center. I have McDavid yeah. on his wing on his left wing <laughs> and on the right wing I have Matt Barzal. So that, that is like my first line. It is like just explosiveness. I'm throwing everything at you and <laughs> I, and speed? I th- what the fuck? pure speed. And I think it's wondrous. And, oh um, and, 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 and Barzell was my second thought on this line. All I'll say with this line is my first candidate for that right, sw- that right wing spot was Mark stone. But I, I knew I, you'd I, say that. I, I will get into another. I will when I, I will get into why I put Mark Stone where I put him when I get there. But I just yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I felt you know what <clears throat> you probably don't need like the best best play driver on this on this line with these two guys. Like it's it, like you don't need an amazing guy with these two guys. But I also want mm-hmm. speed that can keep up with them. And so I was like, yeah. why not Matt Barzell? So. Right. Again, very much amendable to change. This line could just look shit after one game, but I would just be curious to see this line in action. Like literally the three fastest forwards in the league, arguably. Agreed. That would be unbelievable. And, and I had so many temptations to do a similar thing, 
but I, I, I resisted. I, I think I went a little more conservative. Okay. My first line will feature McDavid at center. Okay. Barzell on the right. Okay. So we're, we're almost there, right? But then I figured, you know, these guys are going to be skating all over the place. They're going to be controlling the puck, possession first, all that kind of stuff. For sure. Who do I want to then finish plays? I got Steven Stamkos in there. And it pains me to do that. Of course it does. But I wanted to get a pure finisher. And if you look up and down the lineup, you've got Steven Stamkos as perhaps the most one-dimensional, pure I'm going to score goals, get me the puck. Like, he's smart enough to get into those zones, but I could see McDavid, Barzell, you know, controlling the puck, scoring off the rush together if they need to. But if they're in the zone, Stamkos is going to get open. He's got the one-timer. He's going to finish those plays off. And I wanted to keep McKinnon off that line to give them that, uh, that dual threat. And my second line is going to be my favorite line of all time, perhaps of all time hockey, period. So I can't wait to get to it. And I have a feeling where you're going with this. Um, and all, all I will I say, so. all I'll say in rebuttal to that is I do not have Steven Stamkos <clears throat> on my roster. <laughs> and, and you know what, Nick, if, if I didn't have Stamkos where I have him now, he wouldn't be on yeah. my roster either. Like I yeah. didn't want to put him here, but where, who else do you see on this roster? Who's pretty much 40 goals every year yeah. for his whole career. I see Nobody, the fit, you know, I see, I see the fit, but I don't know where else he would fit. And that's exactly. why, because yeah. of his one-dimensionality, I, I just can't have him on my roster. Right. Um, especially where guys might get injured, him being a very injury-prone guy. I, I just want health, too, you know? Sure. sure. Okay. Second line. Uh, so these next two lines, I just, I just wrote down, like, without even thinking about it. So my second line okay. is, is the classic Sidney Crosby center with Marshawn and Bergeron. And I, that's all I'm going to like that. Like nothing else needs to be said. They've done, they've done it. They've proven they're amazing. Like puck possession wise, this, this line will dominate defensively. This line will dominate. Uh, Crosby just seems to have, they, those two guys already have unreal chemistry are arguably the most dynamic <clears throat> duo in the league. And then you insert Crosby there. They've done They've played together before. I, I'd be willing to bet they'd be just fine together. Um, I know some people who are omitting Bergeron from their roster. But to me, I, wow. I, I don't know how you can do that. And, it's a blunder. Uh, and this, this is just too potent a line uh, and too proven. So that, that's my second line. So this second line for me, um, if this line happens, <laughs> I'm getting all three jerseys. Wow. And I'm inviting two friends out to northern Quebec. <laughs> and we're going to all play... As long as we fucking can. <laughs> because what I'm going to deliver to you right now, Nick, is the Nova Scotia line. Wow. Marshawn, Crosby, McKinnon on the wing. This is what I'll deliver to you today. And it needs to happen. These guys train together all summer in Nova Scotia. They're good buddies. They're, they're, they're community guys. If there's any line that you're going to see out there just playing pond hockey, it's these three guys. This is going to make my decade of, of the 20s. This would be so fantastic. Built-in chemistry. Um, you've got it all. You've got experience. You've got skill. Like, I could see this, I could see this line doing better than the McDavid line, personally. I, it's just such fan service for me. No, it, it uh, sounds so I, great. I had, to, I, I had to include it, yeah. It sounds great, and I see the rationale in splitting up McDavid and McKinnon, right? 
And, like, and Nick, the next line, the next line is going to be your like mix of batch line. I know. I, I've seen. I've seen your line. I. 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 I rarely follow. I rarely look at what the Rink Moose man is saying on Twitter. But I know where you're going with this. And I. Oh. And I got. I got some. I got some comments. I got some comments. But okay, um, can I jump in on number three then? Yeah. And this one was no hesitation. Okay. So. The shutdown line of of all time. Bergeron centering. Mark Stone and Sean Couturier on the left. Three Selkie candidate, three perennial Selkie guys. Like I, I even I considered Ryan O'Reilly in the Couturier spot, but uh, mm. I have him as my extra instead. Uh, but this line put put him up against the Matthews line. Put put him up against any fucking line you want. No one's no one's getting by this. I'm sorry. Like it's there's too much intelligence here. There's too much responsibility. There's going to be like sound positioning out the wazoo. It's incredible. Uh, this is like, this is like your your speed line, but for defense. This is what this is. It's Couturier Stone, and who's the third? Bergeron. Oh right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I. I don't dislike it. I just my main criticism for you would be. I think you underestimate just how much of a play driver Mark Stone is. Like I, I think you under like you're 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 I, I feel like he's a wasted asset if you just make him a checker or a defensive selkie guy. Like this guy can seriously pass the puck around. This guy has a high hockey IQ offensively. I just don't want to see him reduced to the checker. And, and I right. think he, he's that valued an asset. I just don't want to do that to him. And so I get it. And you'll see my line with him. It's fairly similar. But I, like, I, I don't want to see him reduced to that role, but I also don't want to see him like, on my top line as being a wasted asset when, like with McKinnon and McDavid. So, um, but I, but I, get, I get what you're saying, and um, I can't really complain. Um, my third line... Again, no no hesitation here. Braden Point centering John Tavares and Mitch Marner. Oh. So I, I want the Toronto chemistry that I know is there. And again, I you'll you'll notice this this is a theme for me. It's duos. <clears throat> McKinnon McDavid, Bergeron Marchand, Marner Tavares. I, I like these duos, and I feel like Braden Point would work really well with a Mitchell Marner. Um, I mean, I, I, I just, I just think this line has a lot of potential. I mean, Tavares would do a lot of the dirty work point could do a lot of the dirty work. Marner would spread the, the peanut butter around pretty good. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, I like, I like having two guys who have very good chemistry together there. And I think point could keep up with them. I Braden points got to be on your roster. I sure hope he's on your fourth line. So, um, that would be, uh, that would be my third line. Mm. You know what? My fourth line is very similar to your third line. My fourth line includes Braden Point on the left, Mitch Marner on the right, and in, in place of Tavares, Mark Shifley, who I think today is better than Tavares, and I think in, in a year he's going to be much better than Tavares. Um, okay. 
and perhaps not as sound defensively, but I, I look at this as a, as a very intelligent, heady, smart line. Um, Point and Marner goes without saying, and then Shifley will be a, a great distributor to these guys uh, with, with Point or, or Shifley being able to finish off plays. Like it, It's just a very intelligent, like we said on the World Junior thing, that the brain line. So that, that's, that's my fourth line. Interchange them with the third here and there, whatever you want to do. Um, and this is just a fucking awesome, awesome lower half of the, the forward group. My fourth line is Ryan O'Reilly centering Mark Stone <clears throat> and Mark Shifley. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know. I know what you're thinking. What is like, <laughs> why is he putting Shifley on the wing? <laughs> No, no, but, uh, no. That's fine. That's fine. I just, I just, I laugh at your delivery of the, of the line. Oh, <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah. No. I. This would be my. This would be my favorite line because it's probably got my two favorite players on the team on the line. And um, like I said, I I like Mark Stone on this line because I I feel like I wouldn't just have them be checkers. Like I would have this as a line that I would have four lines that I could run that can drive offense. <clears throat> I would not designate checking versus scoring. And this line could run offense. And the main driver would be Mark Stone. And I think him and O'Reilly would have an instantaneous chemistry. And then I, I just want a smart guy playing with them because I know those are two smart, selkie guys. And I think uh, Mark Shifley's as smart as they come. So that would be my third line. Um, and then my two extras, uh, if I may, would be uh, Sean Couturier, just because I think he's a nice hybrid. He's a nice Swiss Army knife. Plug him in when I want. And can win face-offs if I need like a face-off specialist. Um, yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna hate this one, but again, loyalty. This is almost like a Drew Downey no. one. Um, just because he he plays so fucking hard, and this guy gives it all he has every single night. Logan Couture would be oh. my uh, would be my <laughs> other extra. So uh, so there you have it. Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. I mean. Well. Hey. I'm not saying my Couturier Bergeron stone line aren't going to score goals. You know, it's just uh, here. Here's what I'll say in rebuttal to that um, stone. Yes. He can drive offense with the, with some of the best players in the league, but on this team, he could drive offense probably, you know, on the lower half of the, the forward group in general, but I think he's the best defensive winger on the team uh, period. So I think it, it, to maximize his value, that's where I'd put him is on that uh, shutdown line. But uh, yeah, no complaints there. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my two extras here. Ryan O'Reilly for uh, very similar reasons to your Sean Couturier, Swiss Army Knife, experience too. Um, and then Jordan Eberle, of course, <laughs> for, ah, the, uh, right. for the magic. Yeah, yeah no, and, that, magic. And, that's, and that's your bias pick, just like Couture is my bias <laughs> pick. And that's that's all uh, fun and games. Uh, so that's half in jest, right? Yeah. Is as far as um, omissions. So it looks like the one omission you have that I had or two is Tavares and yeah. and Couture. <clears throat> yeah. And the two omissions I have are Eberly and Stammer. Stamkos. Yeah. So okay. Well, I, so the the Eberly yeah. pick is kind of kind uh, of just wash. for fun. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, regardless. If were, I, so if you I'd were thinking him. rationally without the rose colored glasses on, who's a more who who like if you were setting a bet like in Vegas, if you actually had to think this through, 
Yeah. Uh, who would you have? Lafreniere. <laughs> we, we will get to Mr. Lafreniere in short order. Uh, I actually saw, uh, I saw a roster. I saw a projection with him on the team. Like recently? Yeah. No, you didn't. The no. guy was like, I think by then he will be mature enough to be their extra forward. <laughs> I just hey, you never head. know. I should. You never know. <laughs> well, yeah. hmm. you're saying who would I have as an extra in place of Everly? Yeah. Boy, yeah, that's hard. Uh, um, ah, shit. I don't want to, like, this is kind of lame, but no, maybe it's not. No, it, it's pretty lame, but I'll come out with it. Um, boy, oh boy. I could, I could see, like, I could see them wanting to place like a Gallagher in there. To be honest, like a, a spark plug, you know, a grinder, a guy who's going to do everything for the team. I, I could also see a a Nugent Hopkins that you could plug in with McDavid and uh, and just not have to worry about chemistry for with him, like they did with um, fucking Chris Kunitz back in the 2014 Olympics. Nugent Hopkins could be the Chris Kunitz of this team potentially. Okay. So. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd take Gallagher, uh, in there. Someone you can, uh, keep him as your seventh forward or, or whatever, or, or your extra forward and plug him in whenever. Sure. Um, okay. And then the biggest question of all, <clears throat> you get to choose four personalities to have on your coaching staff. Oh, a, you, yeah. you, you, you get to have a head coach, a guy running the forwards, a guy running the defense and a guy <sighs> up in the press box. I believe that's the traditional format they usually have so who would be your i'll state my four and then i guess you're unprepared i'm putting you on the spot here yeah that's uh yeah go ahead go ahead okay you want to guess who my uh, head coach is uh come on it's easy Ooh, your buddy your buddy in vegas the clown is the head coach pete DeBoer. um he is my head coach and he will be Helped alongside with Barry Trotz and Claude Julien, a good veteran coaching group. Um, I, I believe Julien was there with Babcock uh, four years ago. Um, he's experienced at the international level. And then I don't think Trotz was there, but I, I just think the way he's been, the, the yeoman's work he's done with the Islanders just earns him a spot automatically. So it would be uh, Pete DeBoer, Young, inexperienced, has never been in this role, and then he'd have two older guys on his on his on his shoulders. And then if I had to have an extra, um, I don't even know. I mean, I I don't I don't think Babcock's on my coaching staff. I don't I don't think I could do that. So I'll just leave mm. it at that. Th- three three strong names there, um, and that's it. Okay. Well, if I've I had, if I you. if I had to have a fourth, I'd probably have like Rod Brindamore, a guy who could just pump up the, the lads, you know, who could just run in and just yell and just get them fired up. Because yeah. those yeah. those three yeah. guys are more old souls. I'd want a younger guy <laughs> who can relate to them a little more, you know. So well, that be that's a fourth. good point. You know what? Uh, I'll I'll give you one extra there, in replacement of Gallant. Bruce Boudreaux. <laughs> so an, an That's who I'd have. I, you'd have. I just general. want. I want my red-faced, plump little superstar behind the net, behind the bench. 
the guys would drive through a wall for this guy, and that's what's going to win you championships. Okay. I like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, no, I like your other picks. I, Barry Trotz for the defense, sure. Yeah. No, uh, no John Cooper? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> God, no. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. You might see it. Do you, I, want me like to if, cheer? you want me to cheer for this team or not? If I, I know. If I had to make a bet right now, I would, I would wager he will be one of the four. Yeah. I, I would yeah. wager. Just given the, 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 the run he had last year and the, just the, the track record and the fact players could like, he seems like a guy the players could, could talk to and relate to. Um, yeah. I, I think he'd be one of the four. So I, I will safely make that prediction. But not on my team, not on my watch. No. So there's only, so there's only room think, for one lawyer. Yeah. What do you think of Roberto Luongo being brought on as an assistant general manager, having no experience? In yeah, the role? that's a like, weird one. What, what, why did they bring him in? Is it for, like, I want an insider's play, player perspective? Like, what's going on here? I think so. I think a guy who can talk to the players probably has like 80% of these guys on speed dial. He's probably friends with right. a lot of them. And yeah. just so, a little, a little someone who has a little more of a personal connection to the player. He's he's not in this bureaucratic managerial role. He's a hybrid. He's a guy who's made that transition to a manager, but he's still kind of a player because this guy only retired like a year or two ago. And he's yeah. a lovable guy. Everyone loves him. So mm. I think I wouldn't read too much into it. Like he's going right. to have such a big footprint on the team. He's going to have his finger on the pulse. I wouldn't say that, but he's more yeah. there as a, as a presence. Yeah, it, it was just so funny because to me, he went from goalie to social media goof to now assistant general manager picking the team. It's crazy. Sure. It was pretty but, uh, Yeah, I'm sure they're just going to be like kind of advisory, like, like run ideas by him and see what he, what he thinks of it kind of thing. Sure. Um, like all right. Are we ready to move on? Yes. Yes. Are, okay. Are, we got to save these rosters too. I did. I, I wrote them all down, and we're going to go back Good. to them in a year, and we're going to see who got more Good. right. Um, but yeah, it's all it's all chronicled here. But uh, I just think as a good segue, speaking of um, managerial uh, usage and and just that theme, I think we got to transition to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Whoa! Who made a, who made a blockbuster move? At least I, I didn't see it happening this quickly. I mean, we, we talked last yeah. show with Joe about Jim Rutherford retiring with, uh, with Pitt. That, that was breaking news yeah. two weeks ago. That's and right. in, in short order, they have already found their GM and a new uh, president of hockey ops. And that, those roles will be filled by Ron Hextall and Brian Burke, respectfully. Um, wow. So you're you probably have more thoughts on this given you are the resident Penguins fan. Um, so why don't I just turn it to you to get the opening thoughts? <clears throat> opening thoughts. How do I, yeah, it's hard to capture exactly what I thought immediately. First of all, I was thrilled with the Hextall signing. Hextall is a GM. I really liked what he did in Philly. I remember distinctly when they fired him to me, it came out, came to me right away. This is premature. I love the work he's done already. Why are they getting rid of him just when it's starting to turn around? 
Um, this is a guy who drafted Konechny, drafted Carter Hart, Provorov, Lindblom, Sanheim, Patrick, Farabee, all these guys. He signed Couturier to a six-year deal, $4.33 million AAV. That's looking like a darling deal. He brought in JVR, who's doing unreal right now. He's near the top of the scoring leaderboard. Um, and he's just a well-respected figure. Uh, it sounds like he's got a good eye for scouting. Um, and he makes a lot of rational moves, in my opinion. What I heard after I did a little digging was that he was a very much a, a one-man show. He didn't like to get a lot of help from you know, others, and he didn't like to consult you know, ownership and that kind of thing. There was a disconnect. There was a divide between you know, him and the upper management. Uh, that was above him. So that meant to me, initial thoughts was, wow, Ron Hextall is a great GM. I know Brian Burke's a big personality and he's got a lot of opinions of his own. Are these guys going to mesh? You know, are they going to get along? Is, is, it, is it Ron Hextall's team and, and Burke is just this sounding board that where we can use his contacts and, and run ideas by him? Or is Burke going to be what many people think Burke to be is this guy who likes to take control, you know, that autocratic leadership, like let's, you know, I want to do things my way, set my culture. This, like it's hard to imagine this kind of coming together in a, in a fluent way. So that was my initial thought. Um, and then when I really kind of looked deeper into it, I think Hextall is going to take a firm grasp. And I think Burke is going to be kind of more of a secondary role. If they can get that like established, I think we've got a really good formula here. So two things for me. The first is they're clearly doing something here where they are deferring certain responsibilities to, that a GM would do to two different people. So it sounds like Hextall will be the more behind the scenes. I'm doing all the work. I'm running all the transactions. All the player personnel stuff is originating from my brain, which I think, right. is, the, I think is the right move. He, he, he had a splendid record in, in Philly, was ousted prematurely, you give him the baton knowing he can do that. He was a, he was a, I think he was like a scout in LA before they had their, their two cups. Uh, so the, mm. the player personnel side, this guy just gets. But, but you also haven't seen him. like He's not one of the more outspoken guys in hockey. Uh, you, you don't see him on the camera a lot. He, he, he's just not a, not a very pronounced figure. And so I think he will be the guy making those moves. And then Brian Burke is, is coming in to be their spokesman, the guy with the microphone who can handle the media, do all the press conferences. He's done it in like five different organizations at this point. He just came off a media gig where he seems to have like redeemed his rep. I feel like more people like him now, if that yeah, makes any sense. Like uh, back in the yeah. day, he was like a villain with like the, the moves he made in Toronto and, and, and just botching from Canadian city to Canadian city, Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto. <laughs> and now he's worked yeah. this rapport. He, like he's friends with Tim and Sid. He's friends with the overdrive guys. If they want to have him on to explain a deal that they make, he's a lovable guy. They just talk to. And, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I think it's perfect. I, I love the move. I, I like Brian Burke. I, I, I don't agree with all of his takes. I think sometimes it, oh, they're almost so bad it's Don Cherry-like. You know, who's, who's this old senile man telling me this? But <laughs> I, I, think, I think I have a lot of respect for him. We see the game similarly, me and him. We like heavy hockey, old school. Like, we, we think the same way. He's a, he's a trained lawyer from Harvard. Um, I, I, I have respect for this guy. 
And so I, I like what they're doing here. I like how Mario's thinking. I'm going to find two people to fill one role and they're both going to do different things and they're both going to defer responsibilities mm -hmm. and they will find a way to coexist. So that's point one. Point two is when, I, when they made this move, I'm like, okay, well, what does, what does this mean for the future of the Penguins? Does it mean rebuild? Does it mean another kick at the can? Joe asked you what you thought. Uh, and um, <clears throat> I, think, I think we know where you sit. And, I, and, I, and I'd say that's more in line with what we're hearing, which is they're going for one last kick at the can. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's fascinating because if you read, did you read like the Brian Burke quotes, like when he was with Sportsnet, when he analyzed the pens? I think I heard something about that where he said they're not good enough or something yeah, like that. So here, here's from The Athletic. Here's what he recently said. Quote, it is the same thing Jimmy Rutherford is saying in Pittsburgh. I've got two elite players. We're not going into a total rebuild. We're going to try to win. I don't think Pittsburgh is good enough to win. No matter what they do now with their cap situation, I think that window is closed. I love Jimmy Rutherford. You know that. But I look in the East and I say, are you better than Tampa? No. Are you better than Washington? No. Are you better than Boston? No. And um, he was asked about that. And he basically says, like, I don't, I don't take it back. Um, but at the same time, I acknowledge there's these two great players who've won two cups for this this organization, and I still have them under control. So he he acknowledged. Like, I'm glad he acknowledged the fact he made those comments. But it's interesting mm -hmm. how he's having to kind of flip his tune here. And and I'm curious mm -hmm. in his job interview when they asked him what he thought of the team. I I wonder which answer he gave them the the rebuild answer or the we got to go for it answer. I assume it's the, we got to go for it to get the job. Yeah. You have to say that. So it's fascinating. Oh my God. Th this, and you know what? I, I picked up Casey to Smith tonight in fantasy simply because I, I had a feeling, I have a feeling the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to go on a little bit of a run here, Nick. Thanks I so think too. just the, the new energy, there's like really positive energy around this team, but I mean, I, I took a look at it, man. Like, say, say, say they were to do a retool and they want to, you know, shuffle the deck a little bit. Get, send out value, bring in, you know, new exuberant value. It's hard. It is so hard to do. I looked at the market. The guys that you'd have to move have big cap hits. They've got zero, zero picks in the 2021 draft apart from like one of their second round rounders. It, they're decimated with draft picks. Um, I think, I think Pierre said it best. The first thing they do, they walk up to Sid Crosby, shake his hand and say, what do you think we need around here? <laughs> that was such a great quote by Pierre. Um, and, then, and then I'll go back again to something Burke said uh, in one of his interviews was, 16 years ago, I lost the draft lottery to Pittsburgh Penguins and I lost Sidney Crosby. Now I have Sidney Crosby. <laughs> I do like that. This is so great, man. This is awesome. So it's just, there's a new energy, man. Like I, I said to Joe and he, he liked the quote, they need this youthful exuberance. This is an energy in a different way. And I think it's a good positive one because this team's in a, this management group's going to come in and they're just going to be like, they're going to be confident, but I don't think they can make any moves this year. Like, honestly, I, I think we're going to be a whole lot of wait and see. Like they're going to make their presence known. They're going to make their culture known, but pretty much nothing's going to happen this year which is a little bit of a, a letdown because there's simply nothing can really go down. I looked at the market, man. You can't trade a Latang. I'd love to trade a Latang 
for, for the record, I think Latang's a little bit overrated in this whole thing. If you remember, the Pittsburgh Penguins won the 2017 Cup, and Latang didn't barely play in the playoffs at all. They did it without him. The guy's always injured. He's a great defenseman, but he's always injured. He just causes problems, you know? Mm-hmm. So, to me, he, he's the first guy to go. And the first thing they need to bring in, a really solid defenseman. Y- you can get by on your offense right now. Goaltending is another thing. But you need, like, you need a solid defenseman that you can lean on. And, I, like, Dumoulin's great. Marino's great. P.O. Joseph, thank God he's emerging. But you need that presence. You know, they don't have that. They haven't had that for a while. So I, I look at a guy and tell me if this makes any sense to you because you'd know better. Like a Vlasic. He's on the latter end of his career, but he's a presence. You want nothing Plug to him do in, with, in your you bottom pair. Vlasic. What? Come on. He's, he's far from his good days and his cap. You're talking about the bad cap that is Chris Letang or these old other washed up the guys. The cap, the cap hit on him is not friendly and he's far beyond his good years. Do not touch. I get your philosophy. I get you need that. You need a player in his mold, but do not go there. Do not go Mark Edward Vlasic. N- not even as a bottom pair. No, no. I'd be shocked. Wow. I, it's not, hap- it's not happening. He's fallen off that He's fast. fallen off. He has fallen off, Kyle. He has fallen oh my off. God, he's fallen that's, off. That's why that's he wasn't even. He wasn't even in our my long list of defensemen <laughs> for that Team Canada team. He he is gone. That is just disappointing. He's on his own island. But what what I will say is, like I agree, they can't make too many major deals this year. Um, but I I think the rhetoric this year is like you said with Pierre said, just find out what it is it what is it that you need to make a, a run at it this year, and then the hard conversation which is the future, like where, what our window is, what we can do here. I think that's had this summer because we, yeah. we both know this draft coming up is weak. And so it doesn't matter if they don't have a pick. It's fine. Just, just try to run it back. Try to win a title this year. It's uh, th- those younger teams that are still grooming themselves, the Rangers, they're not quite there yet. Next year, they're going to be better. That team might be the team that takes your playoff spot. But this year, you still got a shot. And, and I, I think that's what they do. And then next, this summer, if they want to discuss rebuild, they can do that. And then they can offload Latang because he'll only have a year left on his deal and he, that'll be more digestible or, or, or a Malkin. And, and then all of a sudden, tanking becomes something oh. you could possibly do with Shane Wright. Oh my and, God, and, no. and Because you're not doing that this year. You can't do that this year. But, but if, if, if the boys give you the go-ahead this summer, maybe... Uh, right, you're, you're, you have a pick that year. You, if you're gonna play the draft, you're playing for the 2022 draft. You're not playing for this draft. So, play to win this year. Do that. That's what Mario wants. But I'm saying next year is a wild card, and that's all gonna have to do with the conversation that's had with Sid. But the 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 pressure right now is that Sid Crosby's 33, turning 34 this summer. And, and you, you got like two or three more serviceable number one center years out of them. Two or three more. You can't spend one of those in a, in a rebuild. That, that's the problem. No, we have. no. Like a, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. Like you're, you're going to have even, even a tank here, even a tank here. That's that's because then that new guy you bring in, that new guy is for the next regime. That's, yeah. that's for when Crosby's gone. And that's hey, well, just not fair. This to, summer, to this Crosby. summer, this summer, Crosby might be thinking about the next regime, and he might say, "All right, if you guys want to trade me, I'm cool with it." Right. Well, that'll be. I, 
to be, it'll have to be totally up to him. And, and what we know about Crosby is a creature of habit. This guy doesn't like to try new things, honestly. It took him many years to switch to a fully composite stick, for Christ's sake. I'd, I don't know. It's so fascinating to see what could go down here. But you're right. The, the doomsday clock is ticking on this team. Like, we're going to learn so much in the next couple of weeks with, with where they're at. But I, I do think they go on a little run. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see, but there's a lot, there's so much that can happen, man. Like I, I just, I, I have, well, you know what? Fuck. You talk about tanking, like they're in the lottery this year. Like they were, they were already in a shit spot this year. So it's not totally out of the question, but That's what I'm I don't saying. Know. it's all, it's all going to have to be based on that conversation. I, I think they've quickly worked themselves into being like a top, like they're right at the top of the food chain as far as interesting management storylines moving forward in the next. Well, well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. The, the, the core of Crosby, Malkin, Gensel. Mm -hmm. Sure. Put in, uh, put in Latang. Do you think they can still hang them? Like hang with the big boys in this, in this league, that core versus like a, a Tampa core. I uh, know they can't, and 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 he said that he said that himself. Like Burke said, are they Washington? Are they Tampa? He puts them against them. They aren't. So what they're saying is we need to improve the roster. But how are you going to do that when you have no draft picks to give away and no draft prospects to give away? Like Scott Wheeler just posted his his top organizational uh, rankings, and they're they're right at the bottom. They're like thirtieth. So what what are they going to do? Are, they're gonna they're gonna trade good veterans for good veterans, because that that's the only thing I can see. Because they don't have, they don't have picks and they don't have prospects. Right, it's and, such and a tough position it. to be in. They're yeah, they're against the cap too. It's <laughs> such a tough position. That's why I'm so intrigued to see what this mastermind, so to speak, well, uh, well does. It, if that's your stance, if you don't think this core can stack up against the other cores then you do need to shuffle the whole deck. Then you do need to do a, a serious retool. Now, the way I see it is, I, I see it as this core is still good enough to go up against, you know, some of the best cores in the league. I just don't like what surrounds the core. You know, the, the supplementary pieces. That's where I think that this team falls off a bit, the goaltending included. So I, I still think Crosby, Malkin, and, and, and company, and I think Gensel's underrated. Um, they can still do a lot. They can still do a lot of damage. Like, Against Washington's core, yeah, maybe I'll take the Pittsburgh core against those guys, like Carlson, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin versus the Pittsburgh couple. I I take Pittsburgh's guys. It's just what surrounds Washington is better. So if the general managers can, you know, retool the surrounding pieces, I think that's the only options they have in the short term, at least. Uh, then that that's how they're going to get their make their money here. I just don't know what that looks like. And it's going to be very, very tricky with the cap. But, I mean, we could sit here all day, speculate all day. <laughs> These guys have a hard fucking job. They, they didn't walk into this, like, with, with a good, a good like, pl- plate of dinner on their, on their tables. This is going to be hard. No. Very, very hard. Th- this I, is going to be I, career-defining general manager work here. Mm-hmm. And I, I do love the Brian Burke quote, like, People were like, oh, you sound, you looked like you were enjoying yourself on Sportsnet. Like, why'd you leave? And he's like, honestly, I loved it, but there's nothing better than 
hopping into a, a bus after a game, getting two points and cracking a beer. <laughs> I was like, what a line. Um, what a guy. This is great. Yeah. You, you want this guy in your organization. You do. I do. Yeah, you like just I do. I'm more um I've never been a now. I've never been a Pens fan, yeah, but I'm I'm rooting for them more now than I was before. But um yeah. I still don't have I still don't have them as as for, a four in that in that division. I think it's too too stacked. And I, I think I th- I think that game tonight between Islanders Pittsburgh, I think that will be the uh the litmus test Th- those will be the two butting heads because right. I, I, I think Nick? philly philly boston and um washington washington are just in another league they're locks right yeah you know what this has changed things for me this is this is me now putting pittsburgh in that grouping they're, they're going to be number okay. four for me okay for good good good, um, good let me run a, a one quick thing by you just just because it's fantasy land because it's fun Get Mark Andre Fleury back, right? Come on, maybe they don't. Want, I thought I had that thought. Hey, that's real. That's but do real. they? Can they? Can they, you said cap? You you were talking about their cap. Yeah, yeah. He's like the opposite of that. <laughs> and he, and and again, the the Fleury the Fleury crusade like keeps going. Like I'm I'm telling this is breaking news as of an hour ago. Um, yeah. Uh, Robin Leonard injured in Vegas. And so oh. this is this is literally Flurry's ball now. Like he he had been out playing wow. up to this point, and now now you have a Leonard injury. Apparently, Leonard showed up to the rink he was supposed to start, told them he can't start, and just left the rink. No so, way. Yep, that's what happened. Nick, the, holy shit, that happened an hour ago. Who who would have thought that this whole Leonard situation would would flip so quick? Like I said, like uh, like. Four months ago, yeah. Flurry was the bad guy with the sword through his yeah. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now Leonard is this random, strange, <laughs> like, what is he up to, man? <laughs> we all penciled him in for best goalie of the yeah. year, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is and going I, on? And I'm happy because the first thing I wanted was one of those guys to just to just die so I could run three goalies now instead of four. <clears throat> so now I can pick up a forward and finally have a team. So this will be interesting. And uh, stay tuned. That's all I'm going to say to the audience. Stay, stay checked in on this story because it's developing yeah. by, by the minute here. So, and, he's, and he's posted a shutout through one period and, and he's continued to be great. So stay tuned on that. Um, and yeah, moving on to, uh, I guess, the other kind of big subtopic outside of that Canada project- projection we were going to do is... Uh, what the hell is going on in Columbus? Oh my God! We uh, we talked about again. This another one of those things we talked about two weeks ago. It was our it was our lead last week. We did the whole uh, Dubois trade analysis, and um, it all it ultimately erupted into more of a Leaf talk, a, a Leaf versus Winnipeg one v one with yeah. Joe. I wonder but, how uh, that happened. Now that he's not, now that he's not here to to, to ruin the show, and and no, I, I I kid, I kid, Joe, I love you, Joe, but but now we now we can um now we can get into kind of what's happened here because both guys have made their debut. Obviously, Line he he put up the numbers. I mean, he, I believe he had three game three points in three games. Uh, he was scoring like goal, like slap shots from the from the top of the zone, like he the scorer was there, um, but. Of course, there were some disciplinary issues. So the the other day, he was uh, he was benched for what was um, 
for what was reported to be non-hockey related, non-performance related. And it turns out it was because he, uh, he basically verbally, they call it verbally disrespected a coach. And um, the, the, this is the recent, this is the most recent update I got this morning. So this is practice today or yesterday. Yeah. Patrick Line stepped onto the ice several minutes before practice on Wednesday and skated straight up to Blue Jackets assistant coach Brad Larson, who runs their forward group. Line mm-hmm. and Larson peeled away from the group and had a lengthy one-on-one conversation in one corner of the rink while the rest of the players swirled and fired pucks on goal. It appeared an amiable chat, and it ended with Line tapping Larson twice on the chest and Larson <clears throat> lightly swatting Line's shin guard with his stick blade. That's how hockey players say, quote, it's all good, man. The controversy mm. that had swirled in Columbus since Monday when, uh, when Blue Jackets coach Tortorella benched Line a for the final 26-19 of the win over Carolina came to a breezy end on Wednesday. That's from Aaron Portsmouth, the great Aaron Portsmouth <laughs> on The Athletic. Isn't it Port's line? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? Port, <laughs> Port, Portsmouth is the bar here in Kingston, the Portsmouth Tavern. I've, spe- I've spent too much time there lately, so that's why I've got that. Oh, so, God. Um, you know who's so, yeah, breaking Aaron, COVID rules? Aaron Port's line. Um, so, yeah. So, there's the story. We finally got what we would... It was, it was shitty not having closure on that story, but now it looks like we, we, we can read into... I mean, it looks true enough, given that was literally what... Like people saw them having that conversation. So, so now that they've had some closure here and it's come full circle and uh, Columbus being winners tonight in a 6-5 crazy game against uh, Chicago, line A with an assist. Um, Kyle, what oh, do you wow. make? What do you make? Of, and play 20 minutes, by the way. Um, so, Kyle, what do you make of yeah. this, uh, this story? Boy, yeah. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, when we heard he got benched, everyone was pointing to a couple shifts where he just kind of looked like he lacked a little bit of effort. And it's funny because everyone latched onto that idea like, oh, yeah, look, he's not, he's not trying here. But it didn't even turn out to be that. It turned out to be him mouthing off to a coach. So I just find it funny. Could you imagine the gall you'd have to come to a new team and then mouth off to a coach? Like, who do you think you are? This guy is insane, man. You can't be serious. And especially with, you know, a guy like Torts is sitting right there. I'd love to know what he said, but could you imagine the gall to say that kind of thing? But that's always been who this guy is. He's always been this kind of prima donna, elitist kind of, he thinks his shit doesn't stink kind of guy. From draft day, we saw the interview with him where he's like, oh, I'm the best player in the draft. All this kind of stuff. So, on that sense, I think Torts setting the tone early is a really good idea. I think that is a, a good way to keep that personality in check because those guys are going to butt heads if he doesn't set the tone early. That being said, to, to have this so public and so crazy, especially with, with Line A looking to sign a contract and, and Torts on the last year of his deal, there's layers to this story that just kind of ramp up the uh, the excitement level just that much more so i was uh, i was i was giddy looking at this kind of stuff nick like this is just more nhl news for for us to digest i don't think it's going to be the last time that we see this guy benched uh this is this guy's a chronic non-back checker if you thought that <laughs> if you thought that uh dubois no effort shift was 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 bad like line is like known for that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. 
there's going to be issues, man. And I don't know if it's going to be as public as benching, but like, this is going to be a story that we're going to talk about all year long. Um, and yeah, just, just really interesting stuff. Now, now Dubois has played two games now and it looks like they're easing him in really slow. Like he started on the third line the other night, uh, that 10 o'clock game. And, uh, and he played, he played just fine. Uh, he's not on the top power play right now. They just want him to get acclimatized. And then once he's ready, they're going to like really plug him into the second line, get things going. But uh, the Taylor two tapes, it's I, I, like Dubois will dissolve from all existence um, in a good way. Like he's just going to fit right in and no one's going to talk about him. And line A will have this microscope. So uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's interesting. And I'm glad shit's got news going in the NHL. Yeah, it's um, and on the uh, on the Dubois perspective, I I was interested watching that first game, how they staggered their lines. They they instead of loading up, they, they had Shifley on one line, Wheeler on another line, and Connor on another line. You know, instead of all together. Yeah. And they, and they had they had uh, Dubois with Connor. So I'm not sure what they did yeah. today. I'm not sure if they stuck with that, but. Yeah, shocking. I, I mean, I'm pretty surprised. Five goals by Winnipeg against the lowly Sens and zero points for Dubois. Um, wow. 17 minutes, though, so he's, it's not like he, they're not playing him. So, um, yeah. Very interesting. Something to keep an eye on there. Yeah, something to keep an eye on both situations. I'm, I'm more excited for the line A situation because it's, it's more <clears> drama. <throat> There's more drama there boiling over. But as, as far as like repercussions, as far as like what I care about as a fan, I mean, I, I want to see how Winnipeg inserts there because to me, that's, that's like the first round matchup. You know, that Winnipeg Leafs, I, I really think we're going to see that in the first round. I, wow. I think our conversation last episode really foreshadowed that and, and I think we're destined for that. Um, and, um, and, and then as far as line A, um, there were other reports like saying Torts, uh, there's reports Torts wants out. <laughs> right i heard so that, that maybe yeah. maybe this is all just him saying fuck it like i i i, I don't <laughs> have much of a leash here anyways like i want out anyways so i'm just fucking i'm going my way like this is all my way i hold all the cards here whoever wants to sit can sit and i and i loved <laughs> um i loved like even after the benching like cam atkinson came out and he was like well, uh, that's just what you do if you want to play for Torts. I've played for him for years. And uh, if you're not checking, if you're not uh, playing hard, that's what's going to happen. And uh, wow. O-Dog O'Neal came right out and he was like, he totally bashed this guy. And he was like, this guy's like a mini Torts. You may as well give him like a mustache and a goatee and call him mini Torts. And, no way. Uh, yeah. And he's like, what a, what a load of horse shit. Like O-Dog couldn't stand hearing that. Really? Wow. Yeah. It, he, he said it reminded him of the guys who they don't say shit all season. <clears throat> and then when your team's down five, nothing, the guy finally scores a goal to make it five, one. And then he comes over onto the bed bench and starts yapping. Come on, boys. We got to get back in this. Come on. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. And then it's I like, Oh, it. here's the, here's this guy who hasn't say shit all year. And now he thinks he's the leader because he scored a meaningless yeah. goal. So, wow. Um, Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating, and as far as drama, it's it's hands down the uh, the team to be watching right now. I I'd say, without a doubt. I agree. I agree, and and just not a good time to have uh, one of their goalies. Not a good no. time because they're no. they're always getting lit up now. 
but I don't know. Uh, if, yeah. I don't buy that. Uh, I don't buy that story where he's he's kind of inching his way out. Yeah. Um, I think he's programmed to win, and I think uh, he's just doing that at a, at at a at a kind of a just a balls to the wall mentality. Just like anything we can do, right? Because let's be honest, that roster is not super built to play his style of, of hockey. You know, like when you look at the Texiers, the Max Domies, the Lineas, these guys aren't defensive guys. You know, it's just it's hard to imagine those guys committing to his system. So it'll be interesting to see how he reels it in and, and whether they can make the playoffs. It's yeah. not a, it's not a guaranteed. It's not a given. And, and I read something today. It was like Columbus right now has like the lowest expected goals per game. Like, like just wow. analytically speaking, if, if you were to set up a line, if you wanted to spot start against a team and statistically speaking, who's projected to get the least goals in a game, it's Columbus. Like they, they wow. literally they, on paper, they should be generating like 1.5 goals a game. <clears throat> Ooh. I kind of believe it. Like when, when Jack Roslovic yeah. is, is your hero and he has to be the hero, yeah. it's saying a lot. Um, and, and so before we move on to the, to the final topic, um, what, do you, what did you make of that goal? Was, is that the best goal of the year so far? Is that, is that takes its, cements its role at the top? Hmm. You know what? I, uh, boy, I, w- I would put it behind that McDavid rush goal. And you end uh Kind of on par with that recent Matthews goal, if you remember. Uh, that, that one. Uh, oh, yeah, on Holpe. Where, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where he snapped at top corner. Yeah, like but the thing about the the Roslovic goal is you just you didn't. It almost happened in slow motion. Like you could almost be like, "Wow, this guy's like pulling crazy moves," and and I don't know how no one's picking this up, but this guy's just getting through it. But then you look at the McDavid and Matthews, it's like full speed, blink of an eye, unbelievable. Like, I, I, I'm not surprised the defense didn't get that, you know? So, yeah, it was, it was amazing to see. And, and this guy, I didn't even know he was from Columbus before all this went down. I thought he was just some guy. So, yeah, yeah he's happy where he is. It'll be interesting. Will he develop into that solid number two center? It looks like he will. Um, and that'll that'll be another great uh, piece for uh, for Columbus in that case. Okay, so we move on to I say final topic. What I really mean is final city. I want to check in on, and uh, that's the uh, city of New York, where we oh. have two two things to address. Uh, I will oh. I will ask you do you, do you want to go with Tony D'Angelo first? Or do you want to go with Lafreniere? Uh, Stu Tony. Okay, Big Tony. So. so why don't you explain uh, what exactly happened in New York that night while I quickly yeah. scram for a minute and come right back. Okay. So I'm going to get, and of course, there's so many varying reports on what exactly happened. I'm going to give you the most updated, the most recent, and the most uh, fact-checked um, report. So obviously, Tony D'Angelo has got a lot of... Uh, a lot of marks on his belt for doing kind of not so great things. This guy, by all reports, is a bit of a dickhead. So the straw that broke the camel's back, we're going back about a week and a half here, is that they lost in overtime to the Pittsburgh Penguins. A, a little bit of a softy from Crosby on Alexander Georgiev. Now, when they're going out um, into the back to the dressing room, uh, from all accounts, Tony D'Angelo said something a little bit mockingly to Georgiev about the goal 
And Georgiev turns around and clocks him in the face. And a brawl ensues. And, uh, and, and then they're just going at it. And then leaders of the team, uh, with varying reports on who stepped in, uh, they came in to break up the fight. Tony D'Angelo had played his last game in New York. So that's kind of where, we, where we're at now. Um, they put him on waivers. I think he's got about a four and change million dollar cap hit. I think they were hoping for someone to just pick him up and, and get this problem off of their hands, but, uh, but no one did. So now he is on the taxi squad, I believe. Uh, he's not, not allowed to come anywhere near the team, and they are shopping um, trade offers for the player. So that's kind of uh, the update of where we're at right now. Right. So, um, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, I think what you did was a scumbag move, picking him up in fantasy. Why? Just because it's gonna faded. So, so Mister Mister Character, who's all about character and keeping Lafreniere just to, for the sanctity of the room, has now picked up the worst guy in the room. Is that your argument? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I you knew picked up come. literally one yeah. of the worst character guys in the history of the game, perhaps. Mm. Like yeah, this guy no, it, got it, it contradicts from the OHL. For literally, like, bullying a teammate. He got suspended. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It definitely contradicts my philosophy of how I build a team. And the fan base has been giving me some shit for it. I've been hearing from them about it. <laughs> the fan base. The fan base. The fans. But, um, but hey, here's the thing. I, I read That morning, I read the Dober mm. he wrote this Monday in the Ramblings about, about uh, D'Angelo. And he, yeah. he sold me on him. He said, this is one of, I didn't buy this argument, but the way, how, like the way he was speaking of this guy, he was like, there's only six defensemen in the league right now who could conceivably put up 70 points in an 82 game season. And he had D'Angelo in that tier. Oh my God. He's I don't like, buy that at all. Yeah. He, he had 56 last year in a shortened season. Um, and that, and, and he's still very young. Like that, that's pretty impressive for a guy who doesn't have a big track record. I got to give him that. Sure. Um, and so I just, I was just like, Hey, I have a not of, I have an NA spot. May as well use it on somebody. I know you got Zagross right now. And I was yeah. like, may as well use it on somebody. I read this glowing report card of him today. So fuck it. And, and, I, and, I, and I picked him up and stashed him away. But what I'm here, and, and then I heard there was interest. But now, I've, I, over the last few days, it sounds like there's been a lot less interest because teams have been telling themselves, if I make this move, if, if I do what Nick did, it might cost me my job. Yeah. So I yeah. don't know what to make of it. This might just be non-consequential. This might not mean anything. But I, I still think he'll find his place somewhere. I, I think that... that, uh, that that uh, the the agent of his is one of the best in the league, apparently, and I just feel like that guy will find some kind of role for him. So that's what I'm banking on, and we'll see what happens. But as far as the incident, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't really want to hash this out too much. Like it is what it is. Uh, it's not surprising considering what this guy did earlier in his career, like in the OHL and in in, in Arizona. Uh, Tampa, a prestigious organization when it comes to amateur scouting, just got rid of him right away. I mean, that yeah. must have been a sign. So, 
like there's not much else to say here. I, I think the more interesting thing isn't what's happened. It's what's the future going to bring and time mm. will tell. So I, I think we just got to close the book right now. It is what it is that this legacy, this dark legacy of his continues. And the, the, the second a team picks him up, if they pick him up, they immediately join the, join the, the pantheon of, of um, high drama, high interest teams like Columbus right now is to the storyline that that comes yeah to to me i think he's khl bound like i I think he's done in this league i I think the way the world is now with the pr and all this and and you just saw arizona blow that that second rounder on that that mitchell miller kid Mm -hmm. terrible pr like i know he's a good player but uh you're asking just for a can of worms to be open that you don't really want. So I see this guy disappearing to the KHL, putting up good numbers. And if he comes back, he's going to be like 28. It's not going to be anytime soon. Yeah. That's yeah. where I see things it, going. It, and I, I would, I would probably say like, that's not even that outlandish. Like you're probably in the majority saying that. So mm. it'll be interesting. Um, and yeah. then of course, what's become a tradition here on the show the second annual edition of the laugh track um, as, as we talk about what's happening to little Lafreniere. So just Young to update man. everyone, just to update everyone, um, he is still on my team at 42% owned. So he has plummeted from 86 to now 42 in, in one month. And uh, he has one goal in 12 games. Uh, funny enough, the same number of goals as, as Mika Zibanejad, uh, which, I, which I, I find very funny. Like those, those two guys, crazy. they have the same number of goals and they're both on my team. So showing the loyalty I have in the Rangers <laughs> to climb out of this bottomless pit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, all I would update the fans, for those who have not been tuning in, is what seems to be happening in, in late Rangers land is... Quinn has finally started to, to create fixed lines, which is great. It's, it's no longer a hodgepodge. It's no longer throwing pain at the wall. But the unfortunate thing for little Lafreniere is he is now buried on the third line. He is, he is, he is stuck there. He is stuck playing 1430 a night. And he has seemed, based on my eyes, to have embraced a hard-hitting, third-line, hustle, strong-on-the-four-check kind of game and not the creative wizard gonna-make-these-outlandish-plays kind of philosophy, shooting the puck. He's not shooting. He's playing very short shifts, very conservative. He's, almost, he's always the first guy in his line getting off the ice first. Um, and that would be my, my report. Uh, he, he, of course, scored the one goal the night after we had our last episode. So that was a bad look on us, shitting on him. And then he stuffed it in our faces. But since then, the whole rhetoric was, oh, well, goal scorers, when they get hot, they get hot. When they finally get one, they just build. And that has not been the case here so far. So that's, that's what I've been seeing. And I've watched every game, but I think one. So... um what do you think? I, I'd say last game was probably his best in a while. Uh, again, the physicality was there, and, and he made those two gorgeous plays. And my theory now is if Panarin is injured, I think you will see more of the top six Lafreniere as opposed to the bottom six Lafreniere. 
but but time will tell. And, and for what it's worth, I, I do think Panarin will play tomorrow. Uh, I I'd mm. read a report. I read a report last year where he had similar issues, where he kind of he was he was kind of like uh, laboring a bit. But he basic instead of missing games, he's just started missing practice, and he he just mm. that's what he did, and he was able to keep trekking along. And historically, this guy doesn't miss a lot of games, so that would be my take. And uh, yeah, so what do you think on all that? Uh, it'd be a real boost if uh, if he did miss some time, Panarin. I think that's maybe um, one of the big dominoes to fall. Get a spot on that top power play, you know, mix in some uh, some some phantom points there. Um, well, you know what? Uh, at least he seems to be enjoying himself, right? Like whenever you see him on the bench, he's always goofing off. Um, doesn't look like he's feeling the pressure when you look at him, but, uh, but you can tell he, he really is when he's playing. Uh, oh boy. Besser just gets one. Um, so his ice time is down. Like you said, from, from the early on, he's no longer being tried so much in that top six. Um, one thing I will say <clears throat> now, I, I voiced some disappointment, extremely disappointed, uh, on the, on the group chat the other day. And, uh, and, and, I, and I'm going to stop. If I may interrupt, yes. um, you did make, again, as, as one of your, it's one of your two tweets, searching for some concrete evidence that Lafreniere will be a star in the NHL based on his play this season, searching, but not finding somebody, please help me out here. So pretty grim, <laughs> pretty de- depressing quotes there. That is definitely a depressed man after, dr- after, Drinking down some puppers, a few too many puppers. <laughs> you know what that is, Nick? It's a cry for help. Because after every single game, after every single game, I'm disappointed. And I, I turn to online. I turn to, to the people. I, I, I turn to the scouts who are hopefully, you know, they're going to be there to tell me it's all going to be okay. And I, I never find anything. You know, I'm always looking and it's all negative. It's all negative, negative. I'm, I'm putting this out to say, hey, guys, this is what I'm seeing. I need somebody to tell me I'm wrong here. Please tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Because what disappointed me the most is one might say that he looks like a boy amongst men out there. He doesn't win a lot of these puck battles. Sure, he's mixing in some hits, but it's not like he's winning a lot of puck battles, and it's not like he's skating with the best of them out there. So I'm going to say this to you, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Whatever he did in this long-ass offseason – was either wrong or simply not enough. And then I'm going to ask you this next. <clears throat> Didn't he have enough time to, to physically become ready for this? And, and, and is COVID a real excuse for, for him not being physically ready? No, I, I get you didn't have too many sheets of ice. But couldn't you have bulked up a little bit? Couldn't you have become more of like, you know, just physically ready? You, you've, you've got, you had nine months, nine months. That's more than any rookie ever has ever. You know, wh- why do you look so out of place compared to what your billing was? And, and you had all kinds, of, all kinds of scouts saying this is the most ready out of all, the whole draft class. This guy's going to be ready to step in, put up 60 points. It's easy. Wh- why is everyone wrong? Th- this is my question. Did he do the wrong thing in the offseason? Who is supporting him in the offseason? Like, like who, who, are, who does he hang out with, you know? Like, why isn't he going to Sidney Crosby's camp of magic over in Nova Scotia? Like, do changes need to be made here? You know, like, well, what, what, is, what is this camp doing? 
I, I, I want to know more. I'm trying to dig. I'm not finding any answers and I just need some help. I, I really need some help because they, yes, there's, there's the occasional flash of that brilliant playmaking, like the pass to Ryan Strom the other day, but it's not enough. It doesn't happen frequent enough. And, uh, and for whatever reason, probably a, a mix of bad luck or whatever, they're not getting finished. Like those chances are not getting finished. I'm just, yeah, it's just, it's hard. It's, it's very frustrating. I think the main concern, if I had to boil it down to like one thing, one cause and effect here, it's the lack of reps, the lack of in-game simulated reps. You can bench as much as you want off the ice. You can, you know, do CrossFit as much as you want off the ice. But in-game simulated real NHL reps that you would usually get in a long training camp, preseason games, teams usually have seven to eight preseason games. He missed out on all of that. And as a result, the number one thing I'm seeing in his game that, that usually those things rectify is, is a lack of confidence. It's, it's, it's getting off the ice as soon as you, as soon as you think you have to. It's not making those brilliant passes enough, not holding on to the puck enough, not looking comfortable enough on the ice. All of those things are rectified by just playing games, getting reps. And in this, co- this is an unprecedented year where players did not have that. And I think, I think the fact these last six games have been better than his first six speaks to that theory <clears throat> that I just posed. So I, I, I think it's just he's, he's a guy who was plunged into an unprecedented setting that usually is not the case for these rookies. And I would suspect that you just wipe those first six games off the slate, just look at the last six for what they are, and you can see an improvement. And I do think you will continue to see an improvement. And those are the things that are pissing me off the most. It's the lack of confidence. It's the, I need to get off, the sh- get off right away or Coach Quinn's going to shoot me. Or I, 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 can't, I can't hold on to the puck other than, longer than two seconds. I got to immediately make a pass. He's, he's making brilliant passes, and they're on the tape every time. But he's not, he's not doing anything with the puck. He gets the puck, and, it's, and immediately it's off to somebody else. He's not shooting, mm-hmm. and, he's, and he's not skating with it. And his skating has improved. Yeah. Like you were, you were shitting on his skating, but when he's just back-checking, like he's back-checking, and, and when, he, when he's just forechecking. He, he, he looks faster. I, I wouldn't say he looks faster with the puck because we're, we're not seeing enough of him skate with the puck. But away from the puck, I, I do think he's become a better sk- a skater. I, I can see it. So that, that, would be, that would be the only thing I can add. It's, 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 that, it's that point. It's, it's the lack of confidence from the, the whole COVID and, and you hope time will rectify it. Does, does what you've seen so far at all change your your long-term projection of the player. I haven't, I haven't wavered from my comments last week. Like I, I still think at the end of this year, he will, he will produce at, at like point, point, like seven points per game. I, at the end of this year, I, I do. Um, and I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a, it's a matter of reps. Uh, the long-term trajectory, I never really had one, to be honest. Like, I, I, never, I never said, like, he was going to be Eichel or he was going to be in Matthew's tier. I, I, I was always asking you and, and, and asking for your prognostication. So I never really had a long-term tra- trajectory. 
But as, as, as far as this year, I, I would just say, I, I suspect we're going to see the same kind of blank numbers here for a little bit. And then maybe by the 20 game mark, you see some steady improvement, you know, by, by the trade deadline, maybe he's averaging half a point per game. And then maybe at the end of the season, he's, he's when those games, when they're playing spoiler, because it doesn't look like the Rangers are going to be in it for a long time here. When they're, when no. they're playing with, with, with found, uh, what is it? When they're playing with um, house money, house money, um, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when I think he'll take control and, 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 and people will sleep on him and he will break out. So that's my prediction for just this year. Mm. Um, last question for you. When's this guy going to be converted to a center? <laughs> like, Nick, I, I saw him take the draw the other day in the game. Yeah, he's winning he draws. Clean. And he, he's got a 60, 60% face-off on the year. And, and then you think about it, him being a little bit of a, a, a slower, more cerebral player, like, aren't those guys usually centermen? Like, like, when you think of a winger, you want the guy to be crashing down the, down the boards, up the, like a Josh Anderson. That's what I think of it. Prototypical, this guy's a winger, can't be a center. The guy, he doesn't think too much. He's, he's going to crash down the boards. He's going to do his thing. But to me, like... It's always been like, why hasn't he tr- been tried at center since we've been following him for the last three years? It's it's very odd, and I think they they got such a need there. Like, give it a shot. Maybe not this year, but he looks good there. I mean, uh, it's it a tough ask. It's it's a tough ask for a first year. Sure. Um, like yeah. like we're here talking about just his acclimatization to the league and and just getting reps yeah. in general. I think it's a it's a long way to say okay now you're you're ready for center, but I I think in the off yeah. season maybe that's something they can explore. I do agree though that it's something that it leaves you thinking maybe this could be something, especially for a team that doesn't have much center depth. Um, mm-hmm. And I think in the off season, that's something they can explore, but I don't want them mentioning that to him right now. Like that's way too much for his mind. He, he's trying to digest his brain's trying to digest too much right now as it is. And we can see that. Mm-hmm. And I think trusting a rookie with that responsibility would just be, would just be too much right now. So I like the thought. I think there's potential, but let's revisit in the summer. Maybe, you know, Do you know what uh, Quinton Byfield has been doing in the AHL. I know he got injured. Did he really? And yeah, I I know he got injured, and um, it sidelined him to this point. So that's huh. probably why when you were doing your AHL prospect research, he did not pop up mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I I heard I heard like I sent you his goal he scored like his first game preseason he scored, and then yeah. I think he I think he got hurt like his second game, and mm-hmm. and then it's been day to day since. So mm. he's hurt. Turcotte still hurt. So a lot of those Kings, the top guys hurt, but then other guys, Cali have scored his first goal, kind of a garbage goal, but he did score. And, uh, and Velarde is, is fitting in like a glove as he did last year. So that's your Kings report. Those, those, those two guys, those are the top four prospects. So two of those guys are doing, doing fine. The other two, one and two respectively in, in Wheeler's rankings still don't know. And that, mm. that's the thing that worries me about Turcotte. Like, this guy's always getting injured. Like, yes. a her- heroic Dra- gold medal game. As well. Heroic gold medal game against the Canada. And like, and, like, what a game. And then, like, it's like he wins. And then he's like, all right, I'm putting my feet up for a month. <laughs> 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 it's 
Like I, yeah. like again, I, I, I don't know about the character of this player, and and I and I hope he's taking care of his body. So uh, only time will. I tell. I doubt me. it. I doubt it. I doubt it. Hey, I, I, doubt I, it I have uh, Byfield one assist in three AHL games. One assist. That's in three the games. latest. The latest. Or does that report, count yeah. the preseason games? I don't believe so. And ha- and when was that last game? Like, does it say when when all the, any of that happened? No. I okay. could dig a little more, but interesting. Yeah, the Ontario Rain, uh, which is not a, not a, not 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 our Ontario, by the way. Just so you know. What? Come like, on! Like, and maybe you read that and you assume, oh, he's playing in Ontario. Like, I I should go catch a Byfield game. Yeah, that that is that is <laughs> yeah. a little municipality that's like just I believe just south of LA. So um, there's some mm. news geography oh. news for everybody. <laughs> um, honestly nick i th- i think uh i think he might be back i wouldn't surprise all, all me all i see right now is three games one assist minus five <laughs> that's all um, I have. yeah yeah i'm uh i'm looking at him right now and um and three I, three games is all they've played all year too so he's played all all their regular season games yeah very interesting Okay, so I guess I guess he's back, but yeah, I haven't yeah. read anything notable. I, I follow some writers on the Athletic, but they haven't mentioned anything. Okay, mm. so um, if that's all the hockey news out of the way, unless you have one more thing to add, uh, we are close to eleven thirty here. So I'm going to devote the last five minutes of this show, if I may, mm. to my spoiler-free review oh, of the most yeah. of the most anticipated game of the past decade. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077. Wow. I don't want any any biased bullshit. Nick's got a big fanboy thing going on. I don't want any of that. Give me a real honest review. I'll I'll just give you my snapshot and then if you have any Q&A, you can send them my way. But I will make this snapshot short and sweet. Okay. (sighs) Okay. Cyberpunk 2077, and I, I won't break this down. Like you like to do this methodically. You like to go characters, story. <laughs> like I don't like that. I'm just gonna give you like Nick's raw thoughts. You're too analytical yeah. with this stuff. <laughs> sure. Okay, Nick's raw thoughts. <laughs> All Cyberpunk. Right. Cyberpunk 2077 is not the greatest shit. To hit this planet it's far from it okay okay that said cyberpunk 2077 is a great rpg <laughs> so that is my that is succinctly put it is wow. not it is not a generational game it is not in the pantheon of red dead redemption 2 the witcher 3 the last of us it is not in that pantheon it is a it is a great rpg it is better than probably my favorite fallout game um i'm trying to think of other rpgs like like that come to mind recently like it's it's better skyrim. than your Beth- it's better than your bethesda rpg skyrim I mean, it's hard to compare because it's literally a decade yeah. ago 2021 sure. against 2011 I'm saying yeah, in this yeah. generation, it is, it is a great RPG. So I will say this. <clears throat> it, does not, 
it does not have the story, the narrative uh, wow. that you'd that you want. Uh, and I will compare it to The Witcher because it's CDPR. It does not have the story that Witcher had. When I rolled mm. the credits on Cyberpunk last night, I, d- I did not have the same euphoria I had when I beat The Witcher and I got the best ending with, with Geralt and Ciri having drinks at the bar at the end of the game. I did not have that same jump in my step. Um, right, I, right. I, felt, I felt a little empty. Like I, and, and for the record, there's five endings in this game. I got the best one. Okay, so you're, you're hearing this verdict from someone who allegedly should be the most positive. Um, mm-hmm. I have not seen the other endings. I'm going to, I'm going to get there. Um, I've only heard about them. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it does not leave you with the same euphoria. That said, the, where the game really shines is its side quests. It, is, it still has that Witcher side quest feel. Those, like those monster contracts you do with the little tales that, that inspired you and, and got you really excited, they are there. And the characters in this game are just as good, if not better. And so the, the side stuff is the real charm of this game and something that I would encourage everyone to play. When you pick up this game, do not just rush through it. You can beat the main story in like 20 hours. I put 65, mm-hmm. hours, in, 65 hours into this game. And hmm. the side stuff is what will, what will keep you going and in and, 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 and typical CDPR fashion excite you. Um, the game, I'd say, is more fun to play than The Witcher. The Witcher hmm. is very hack and slash, kind of buggy, spinning with my sword, casting spells. It was never great from a gameplay perspective. This game has better gameplay. The guns are fun to use. They're like futuristic. Um, it sucks at first. The gunplay is not very good, but I would, I would tell everyone, stick with it. Uh, you unlock more guns. The snipers moving forward. It, it really opens up. Um, it, it, it's, it's a lot of fun uh, from a gameplay perspective. Uh, that, that it, I would encourage everyone to stay away from the hacking setup. That The hacking does not work very well. I, I, I don't, didn't really like it. For, for a futuristic game, it's not one of its strengths, which is, which is a mm-hmm. big negative for me. It should be a strength, but it's a negative. I would encourage everyone, <clears throat> when you pick up this game, max your skill tree in the, in the strength and the shooting. In the, play it like a shooter and don't play it like a stealth hacking game. Uh, like taking out your katana, like your sword and just ripping up people is some of the most gratifying moments. It's, it's fantastic. Or the blades hmm. the we've all seen the trailers, the mantis blades that come out of their wrists. They're awesome. Um, hmm. but, but do not, do not play this like a stealth hacking game. It, it will disappoint you play it as a shooter, hacker slasher. Um, and, and, and in that respect, it's great. And then, uh, technically, uh, I've been playing on a PS five, um, and this is probably the most important thing. I mean, it, it ran okay for me for like 40 hours of the experience. They then added some patches. Uh, it stopped crashing, which was great. Basically, I, I was in a rut where every play session, every three-hour chunk, it would, it would crash for sure once, maybe twice every sesh, which was mm. very demoralizing when you're in an intense mm. sequence and it just boots you out. But they patched it uh, as of like two weeks ago. It, it doesn't crash anymore. And the graphics even look more polished. It, look, it looks really good. And I'm not even playing on a 4K TV. Um, hmm. So visually, it looks great. It looks like a 2020 game. But again, I, I can't... For all of those glowing... For all the positives I just mentioned, I cannot recommend this game for a PS4 user. 
And that's what, that's what kills me. I, for the game in itself, I can recommend. I, I still maintain it as a great RPG. But I cannot, I cannot tell you or Dante to play this on your base PS4. It will ruin the experience. You've already waited this long. Like We are far out of the window of when everyone got their hands on this. Just yeah. wait, wait, wait till they've patched this. I know another one's coming out this month. The next mm-hmm. gen version, they're coming out with a whole new version for the next gen comes out in four months. So I, I'm right. thinking of doing a second playthrough. I, I loved this. What? Like the, yeah, like I, I, I would play this a second playthrough because wow. in, in saying it's a great RPG, that should speak volumes enough. It, it, that, that in itself speaks to the fact you, you can feel an incentive to play this a different way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's so many, in so many different ways. Like the, the ending, <laughs> what you do will really affect that. The relationships you build with certain characters uh, the, the love relationships, right? I, I, the, the, the number one person I want to romance, I couldn't romance because I'm playing as a male. Right. So next game, I got to play as a female just to romance this character. So, 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 so that's just an example. So, um, or, or your lifestyle, right? You can pick Corpo, uh, Street Kid, or, um, or, uh, or Nomad. And, mm. and you're going to love the nomads. You, you are a nomad through and through. You'll, <laughs> you'll play this game and say, I am a nomad. Um, <laughs> they are literally, you, like, like, like beers around the campfire. Those are the nomads. And, um, mm. and, 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 and what you do there affects kind of your options. So I, I love that aspect. And I'd say if there's the number one thing about this game, it's, it's, it's the world. I have never played a sci-fi game before like that I can think of. And this fil- checks all the boxes I want out of sci-fi. And again, that's subjective. Lots of people don't like sci-fi. I know you, you like your medieval, you like your Skyrim, your Lord of the Rings, your, you love that shit. You eat that shit up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Th- if, if you're looking for Blade Runner, Ghost in the Shell inspired stuff, this will check those boxes. Like my, my one friend, Mark here in law school, he's a huge sci-fi nerd. And, and this checked all the boxes he wanted. And that was his glowing review. And so mm-hmm. I wouldn't say the world is as immersive as Red Dead <clears throat> or as interactable as Red Dead. Like that's still groundbreaking immersion, what they did with that game. But, yeah. but it's a different kind of setting. It's futuristic. The, the cars are fun to drive, especially the ones you get later that are like Uber cars. Um, like a, like a 2077 version of a Porsche. Like it, it's really fun driving that around <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and it's fantastic. So, so the world, huge thumbs up for that. The characters, side missions, um, those would probably be like the, if those three things speak to you, like I want to play in a sci-fi world with some great characters and some fantastic storylines, uh, play this game. And, 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 and you will like it. And, and Johnny Silverhand, Keanu Reeves, does not disappoint. He is fantastic through and mm. through. I know a lot of people were hating, like, how, how could this guy be a voice actor all of a sudden? He kills it. His character is impeccable. Impeccably written, really? impeccably performed. Mm. Every minute of this guy, you want to interact with. Like, you do not want to miss a single Johnny moment in this game. And, and, mm. and, and for the record, he is not a side character. This guy is the most important character in the game other than you. Mm. So he, he will be there your whole journey and, 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 and he's fantastic. So 
that's everything. I, I think hmm. I, I think I addressed everything I want to there. And, um, like I said, I'd recommend it for everyone on a PC or a next gen console. And if, if you're on a last gen console, which I know is the majority here, just, just wait, you've waited this long. Just, just wait. I'll lend it to your Dante or whoever down the road when you're ready and, um, play it then. But I do not miss, do not hmm. miss this game. Do not miss this game, but do not expect um, Red Dead or uh, or The right. Witcher. I still I still think Witcher is their coup de their coup de gras, their 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 masterpiece, and uh, yeah, I still maintain that. But it's different, and and I'm kind of kind of glad they did this. Hmm. Very good, very good. Good. Any work. questions that I, I did I'm, not address? Well, I'm just glad you gave like a very grounded review you know like you didn't go too far in any one direction like it sounds like uh you're giving me the honest truth that's all um, well let me ask you this do you did you ever find yourself getting a kick out of just like you, you start the game up got the control mm-hmm. in your hands you simply just dick around explore and just enjoy the world don't even touch a mission have you have you found yourself doing that no um, I, I, I don't, it doesn't have that, that red, like I said, that red dead feel where you could hop in, talk to a stranger and be, mm-hmm. uh, entertained, Stimu- be, be stimulated in some kind of way. Yeah. Um, but when you do search out for those side missions, it, 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 it the way those interact with the world and expose you to certain things in the world, then it works. But if, if you're right. not in those missions, if you're not in those side quests, it's very difficult just to see the world and, and be like, oh, it's so, it's so interactable. There, there is something really cool, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, but, but, but I, I still think like it's a better world than The Witcher's world. Like the, the Witcher is three separate maps spread, like three separate maps that all kind of feel empty. This right. is dense, it's, it's one map that's dense, no loading screens. You could drive from one end to the next. And I, I kind of like that setup. It's a little more Red Dead-y as opposed to yeah. uh, the more arcade Witcher where you're teleporting from Skellica to th- like the first world, you know? Like, it, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Is okay. There... And yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. One more thing. You yeah. know how there's like, various settlements in most of these RPG games are in cyberpunk. Is it just mainly one city and mm-hmm. then an outland or yeah. is it just kind of multiple settlements? Great question. So there are, uh, there are six different kind of rival gangs in this, in the city and each rival gang controls a neighborhood. And so you basically have like six different neighborhoods in this, in this game. Uh, and each, and so, and they're all different in their own way, clearly. Um, so like you have kind of a little Tokyo, little China neighborhood, you have a more Hispanic on the beaches of California neighborhood. Of course, this is, this, this, this game takes place in LA in the future. So like Santa Monica, think, think GTA five, but it's now futuristic. Um, you have a Northern neighborhood, like the, the nomads who are outside of the city, the guys like you, that you, that I think you will like. Um, you have the city corporate people. Um, yeah, that, that, like, they are there. 
And, and depending right. on your lifestyle, depending on your path, if you're a street kid, a nomad, or a corpo, how they interact with you will be different everywhere you mm. go. Um, mm. But yeah, you'll notice a clear difference. Like I have a neighborhood that I, that my, that's my favorite. I have one I don't, I don't like so much. So it all means something. It's not just titles placed there. It all means something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just, just like, I'd be remiss, like, if, like, like, again, just the side quests, like there's side quests in this game that like, they take like two hours to complete and you are just mm. enthralled the whole time. Like there was one in particular where my mind was like blown. It, it's probably like my favorite quest in an RPG I've ever played. And it was mm. like, it was it, just so cool. The way they told the story was, was so, so cool. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I think that in itself, like warrants, warrants a playthrough. It's, it's, it's really unprecedented. So th- these are like, as much as you want to shit on the, the technical side and how much they fucked it up and their stock plummeted, you still have these writers. These are still the guys who wrote the Witcher, you know? Mm. And I think that yeah. in itself, that in itself warrants your attention. They, mm-hmm. this, this de- developers only come out with like two games in the past like 10 years so give give them a fair shake and try this game when you're ready for it and 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 that that would be my advice um did you have any like uh like emotional moments or was it more the good moments were just like oh that's cool no so many emotional moments like if 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 i didn't want to spoil this game for you like i would easily have screenshotted moments and 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 sent them to you but i i don't want to spoil moments like and and mm. that's that's like story related, involving like friendships, involving romances. Lots of times we're we're pulling at my heartstrings. Like I said, like that mm. that moment. I always think of that moment in The Witcher where he's saying goodbye to Triss Marigold and and she goes away and and the and, right. the, and the guy goes, well, uh, well, Witcher, I guess she left you this time. And then she sh- <laughs> and then she shows up and it's all heroic and and you're all excited right, and, right, right. and and you have this all this jubilation again. You will, you will have those moments in this game. And, and the way it's first person. So the way they tell it is very different and it's, it's more immersive. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that part worked. So um, no, you, you will have those moments to answer your question. You will have those emotions, uh, those emotions flowing in certain moments for sure. Because I, I just think the mm-hmm. writing's so good that you'll, you'll immediately become invested with certain characters and, and want to see their their stories through right um do you know what is on the horizon for cdpr what is next or is that just unknown they they have a patch coming out this month for the the so they've they had two patches for the last gen for all the consoles that are supposedly in their press release was supposed to fix the game for the for you guys the old console people um patch one in january didn't really do the trick apparently it, it helped like the newer gen people, but it didn't really affect you guys too much. So stay mm-hmm. tuned at the end of this month to see what that next one does because that, that, will, that will decide if their promise came through. If it is that dramatic, then it goes to show you, oh, they're, they're, they're devs of their word, you know? They've, they've redeemed their rep a, a tiny bit. So yeah. watch out for that. And then, uh, yeah, the next gen update will be sometime in the summer. Uh, four months from now, I think. And then mm. DLC later this year. So it's it sounds like what they did with The Witcher with those the the big world DLCs like the uh, 
blood like and those, wine those fantastic rpg or uh, dlcs um those oh those gosh. those are going to be at least the first ones are going to be free now because of all mm-hmm. this bullshit um so yeah and 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 their guy like their 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 head ceo guy he like apologized publicly like three weeks ago about what happened um mm-hmm. I, I bought their stock immediately as that happened and i made two thousand dollars on cdpr stock no way wow so where'd they go but, up by uh well it's polish dollars so it's it's hard to oh it's hard i can't tell you like how much u.s dollars they went up um but they they went from like 200 and like 40 pln which is like polish dollars to like third uh 300 pln in like three days Mm. it it was the same week as that gme stuff were were you following Mm -hmm. that when it was that same week so so they were one of those companies that really surged um, and, mm. and I, I, I sold, but I sold way too early. If I, if I hold, if I held on for two more days, I would have doubled it. it would have had like five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, so I, huge. I've, that was, that's my only exposure to the stock market and I'm staying out because it just makes you feel like <laughs> a fucking idiot. Like yeah, it, it, at know. least, at least sports betting, you, you feel like you know what you're doing and you know when to read things are going well or not so well. The stock market, mm-hmm. it's its own beast. So yeah, that's my advice for the boys and girls at home. Nice. I'm sure they'll listen just perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. Personal um, finance podcast coming next. No, thank you. Uh, <laughs> wrong candidate for that. Um, featuring Demos. Featuring, yeah, yeah. See, that guy would fit the bill <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So is that everything? I think that's all. So are all you going to give wrote. this game a try? Uh. Well, At some point, like you said, down down the road, if if I can get through a clean experience, you know what? No, you know what? Maybe I'll give it a try after I get a PS Five. Like after that happens, because I you know it will happen. Maybe that's my moment. Yeah. Maybe that's the first game I play. Maybe it might like yeah, that might be six months from now. That might be a year from now. That might be two years from now. But I <clears throat> yeah. I would respect that. I don't care when you play this game. I would, but I would like you to play this game when you can in the proper circumstances. Um, and I ask your, uh, when you, when you see them, ask your firefighter friend, what, uh, what he's done with this game. Uh, like, did he, did he he play it? Did he drop it? I think they've got an episode on it actually. Oh, they do. Okay. So I will tune into that. You'll probably be able to hear most of that. Good. Good. Because I know they liked it at first, but I, I don't know if they stuck stuck through with it. So, um, yeah. yeah. And then uh, and then we will get a uh, we will get a Kyle spoiler uh, Ghost of Tsushima review next episode. Next episode, yeah. Next episode. Yeah. Okay, so there you For go, sure. fans. Uh, one of the biggest games of the year. <laughs> uh, you will hear his uh, his thoughts on it in two weeks. Indeed. Time. So so that's yes. your that's your uh, that's your promo for next episode. And um, until then, we hope you enjoyed yet another week, this solo edition. Uh, two men of the, uh, just the two of us uh, for, this, for this episode, but a good one nonetheless. So um, yeah, we, uh, we look forward to, to talking to you guys in another couple of weeks. And um, until next time, Rank Moose is signing off. <laughs> Do 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 do.